Okay, North-South Connection. What's going on? This is Mike Rossi from the Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0 team. Um, and I'm joined today by our counterparts, uh, one of my counterparts from um, the You Know What That Means AEW podcast, Andrew Reich. How are we doing today, buddy? Hey, how you doing? Doing good, man. You know, we're, we're able to, we, we, we knocked down the forbidden door here and we're going to bring our WWE and AEW minds. We're going to bury those away and we're <laughs> going to talk about what we, how we know each other best and that's college basketball, so... Right, yeah, college basketball is a love of mine. I, 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 um, it's a horrible game to watch. <laughs> like most, of, this is one of the weird game sports because it's a game, it's a sport where the games are horrid, and but you, you, acknowledge it from the start, and you just kind of like appreciate the process that goes through all of it, getting all the way to the tournament. The tournament is the real payoff. Absolutely, and like the whole season's a, a clash of styles. You, you get a lot of that right off the bat when you get to the holiday tournaments, um, right yes. around Thanksgiving. Feast week, right? Yeah. So, and then you know, we, you you see these teams beat up on cupcakes for a while before it gets to that point. So, it's fun. Um, you know, some teams obviously play more, we'll say, intense schedules than others. Um, some have to for their resume, right? Um, yeah. But we're and, right and around they, the corner. And they go through that new system. I forget. I think it's called the net. Is that what they call it? Yeah, the net rating. Where they're a little bit tougher on the out-of-conference, so you can't have a super-duper week out-of-conference now, which ha- does help the first two months of the season because now you're you're bound to see more good out-of-conference matchups instead of just weekends or weeks of just nothing. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's like, like I'm obviously I'm a UConn guy. I know you're LSU. Um, looking at our schedule, it's like there's really nothing exciting until we hit Thanksgiving, and then it's like pretty much fast action from there. So right. um, I kind of like the way that's built up. It kind of gives us a chance to, you know, get used to our teams, kind of see a little bit of everything. It always serves for a crazy upset or two as well. So be interested to see who gets knocked off the perch pretty early this year. There's always one. Yeah, yeah, and there's always surprises. Like who Absolutely. thought Arizona was going to be a top seed? Nobody. Yeah, it's crazy. Like we 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 have a lot that we're going to run through today. We're going to pretty much talk about every uh, how I like to call quasi major conference. Um, like I don't think the West Coast conference is a major conference, but with any conference Gonzaga's in is is kind of major it, at this point. Ma- so it, it's a high, it, it's a one it's a one high major school conference. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about each of those conferences, who we think is going to make the tournament players. We think we'll get a little bit of hardware and some other things to look at um, with, you know, the guys that we really want to focus on. Then we'll talk a little bit about mid majors and who might have a shot at finding um, their way into the dance. Um, If there's any conferences that have a shot at getting two teams in, Um, we're going to run through a top 25 that we each did kind of see what we disagree on. Um, for the most part, we were pretty similar, but there were some some major changes uh, for sure. So we'll talk about those. Um, mm-hmm. Then we're going to talk about, you know, who we think is going to head to Houston for the final four. Uh, but before we do all of that, we got to talk about a very different offseason, my friend. We haven't talked about college hoops since we previewed the tournament. And mm-hmm. boy, have things changed since then. Yeah, the transfer portal has tr- changed it all. Now, the transfer portal has always been around, but what it is is that that's changed. And it started last year, and then it just really like went into overdrive this past offseason is that the one-year wa- the one year um, waiting period has been waived. And it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon, which means basically if you leave your school, you can immediately go play at a new school the next the next year. Without having to wait. And that's enormous because I think that was one of the incentives of not wanting to leave a school because you didn't want to sit out a year and waste a year of your youth to want to play basketball. Unless you're like a 
semi-college player who like who's probably not going to make it to the NBA and you don't mind waiting another year, but most people want to play immediately. And um, also grad transfers, you know, you find ways to keep credits so that you can just give them that one extra year. Uh, like, like for example, KJ Williams went to LSU. He basically finished up at Murray state, but yeah, I guess they brought him in as a grad transfer. Yeah. And I mean, the NIL also changes everything. It kind of all comes hand in hand, right? Um, it does. You know, your, your guys like Oscar, your guys like Baycott, the even, you know, Trace Jackson Davis, I'm sure, had a little bit true, to it. Hunter Dickinson. Timmy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are guys that, you know, some of them probably have NBA careers ahead of them, but they're not like locked in lottery picks. So instead of going in, having a fight, why not come in, try to win, win a national title and see what we can do to improve that standing for next year. Right. Yeah, also, you can also stay in your own conference. That's another thing. That used to be a big holdup with a lot of these teams. They could choose what teams you could actually go to and not go to. That's off the window, too. So you see, like, as we talk about the conferences, you'll see a lot of teams that – or players that transferred that played in the school in the same conference, which also creates a little bit of animosity between the fan bases because they hate turncoats, even though the fans are more fickle than anyone else, but they don't care. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's crazy how it all works, but I think overall it's good for the game. Um, it definitely, like, what what are your thoughts on, like, having more of, like, an off-season to look forward to in college basketball now? And we never got used to that. The truth is when it comes to the NIL and all this, like, oh, it's, it's out of control, it's the Wild West, I don't mind it because it was always that way. It just happened under the table. And so it never really bugged me uh as much when i i am all i am very much pro player when it comes to college athletics they've always been like shunned they've always been pissed on and this is just basically them reaping in the benefits of what you know court cases and different other legal developments also by the way i don't think we need to mention him because fuck him but mark emmert quit so he's going to be out of the door pretty soon, which is thank God. Um, I don't even know who's going to be in charge of the NCAA after him. But the NCAA is in disarray. They still own the rights to March Madness in the tournament. So this is their this is the tail that wags the dog. You know, football makes a lot of money, but it's the tournament that creates the revenue for the NCAA. So this is really the sport and the tournament that keeps it going. And if you can create buzz in the earlier part of the season rather than have everybody flock to March to watch all the you know the big matchups it just creates more of a like more event television going into like november and december and then when you get to conference play in january yeah and i mean my biggest complaint with it too is i feel like freshmen um like if you have this impact freshman that might not be meshing with your system right away these coaches might be forced to find a role for them um, that they might not be completely ready for because they're fear fearful that they lose the guy before, you know, he really shows his potential. Um, and that's one thing that is going to kind of make recruiting tough. Like, I feel like guys are going to want to know what their role is when they commit to a school. Um, and, and, you know, things change so drastically. Um, uh, you don't even know how many of your guys are actually coming back year over year anyways, especially with, you know, the COVID year, which that'll almost be done. Yeah, um, so but. so this is this is hard to explain. So the co- the season after COVID, which was the 2020-2021 season, that was considered a free year. So that season did not count against your eligibility. So if you want to play another year after that, you can. So th- conceivably, if there's injuries or red shirts, you could play 6 years in college. 
It's nuts. Yeah. And that led to like look at like pro- like a Providence last year. Like they had like three guys that were like 22 years old in their starting lineup, um, yeah. which is just crazy. Like when you think about it, like it's it's great for schools such as that um, because now they turn their entire program around and now yeah. they're impacting the transfer portal. So you know, there's definitely good and bad with it. Like um, these, but these freshmen, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, you're gonna you have your top 150, 200 freshmen that always get ranked out, and those guys come in with so much hype. You never know if they're going to impact some right away. It and some don't. Like sometimes you get a Zion or a Cade Cunningham. Sometimes you get um, Amani Bates. Like you just get a player that doesn't really do much and yeah. flames out really quickly. But the exper- like the experiment of having to watch them play, it can be frustrating because these these coaches have such control over the games. It's almost like it's almost frustrating to watch because they they don't want to let the players basically feel liberated and take control of the squad. Some of these players aren't mature enough to be able to do that. Um, you know, we got, that's what AAU is for, but I feel like the coaches are almost too controlling where they're like, this is the way I want it. I want to, I want to slow it down. And it always 99 out of a hundred times. It ends with, we're slowing the game down. We're going to play defense because that's yeah, absolutely to a championship. Yeah, and you have to kind of look at your roster, look at what guys that are there right before you hit the portal and figure out what kind of players you need. Um, yeah. What If you need to change your offense, if you need to change your defense, you know, how they're going to complement the freshman that you've already been committed to for two years. You yeah, and it very exactly. much influences your, play, your, your strategy, for sure. Like, if Drew Timmy doesn't come back, then you're not going to have – you might not be as slow of a Gonzaga team. You might not – you might speed it up with more guards. You know, so you don't it really, really depends on the personnel. There's also that deadline of being able to withdraw from uh, the NBA draft, which is much, much later now. It's like in like I want to say like the middle of June. So yeah, it's you like a week before. Yeah. So that's like another that's another thing. A part part of the offseason that I kind of enjoy. I kind of like that idea of like because we've seen like the the unfinished business day <laughs> where everybody decides like at on the very last day I'm coming back and it's almost like re- a refresher for the fan bases of like oh we're getting this player back and we thought he was gone because they you know he didn't sign with an agent um and they were able to retain their eligibility and jump back into college and the most of the reason, like Max Azmus, Max Azmus is a big time mid-major player. Everybody remembers him from the run by Oral Roberts, but he had a really bad combine. That's why he went back to Oral Roberts, you know, and then there's some that go to the combine. They really impress and you never see him again. Yeah, and it's it's going to impact coaches, too. Like maybe Jay Wright left early because he just didn't want to deal with this. <laughs> you know, it's just a different maybe. way that, that he's done business over all this time. And it closes the gap between a lot of these schools and a guy like him who's always just been an, an elite all-time level recruiter, right? Yeah. Um, it it kind of makes the job tougher for a guy like him who might prefer, you know, taking in a 17, 18-year-old kid and turning him into a three- or four-year player. Um, Villanova's not is very rarely been known as a school that's going to let, you know, a guy go after a year. Um, you know, th- they have a couple. They might have a couple this year, um, but it's, you know, now he's not there to do it. So it, it also changes how coaching changes will come into a play, too, because, like, look at, like, a Shaheem Holloway. Like, he was he was ticketed for Seton Hall before that St. Peter's run, right? But now he can kind of bring a, a player from St. Peter's with him. Um, that might impact things as well, because if you take a guy 
that is coming from a mid-major, now he might automatically bring his three best players with him. Yeah, that's um, exactly just, what happened with Matt McMahon at LSU. He brought, I think, two to three more Marie State players. So Yeah, so it's it, it also may hurt the mid-majors as a whole um, because you get a breakout star that's a freshman or sophomore. He might be like, all right, well, now I can take some NIL money at Kansas or Memphis or UCLA. It's going to be interesting to see how all of that works out. Uh, but I do think the mid-majors might be the ones kind of left in the dust a little bit. But at the same time, they can get, you know, your Imani Bates that they might not have ever had a shot on. And maybe will he ever be half of what people thought he was going to be? Probably not. But they have a shot with a guy like that now that they didn't in the past. So maybe I'm kind of overplaying that a little bit. Yeah, and also I think it also brings about the possibility of more coaching changes because if you – like like you said, if you can – bring in a coach that can almost bring in as a package deal certain players from the, from their squad, then not only are they more likely to go, the recruiting is going to pick up because you see almost this like not a mass exodus, but you see like this like wave of people coming in and, and you get to listen, kids are impressionable. Like they are very, very easy to convince. And if they see good players go in in one class, you all of a sudden feel like, oh, man, this is the hot this is a hot school. We might have a chance. Let me jump on it on this. And if you have that one year, if you have that one year with that, like look at Andy Enfield with Evan Mobley, if you have that one year with that one stud player and you can go far, it is a game changer. Like you can run that dry for years. If you're a coach in terms of recruiting. Absolutely. So speaking of recruiting, um, how do you think the portal as a whole is going to impact recruiting? Um, especially with that NIL money floating around. Well, I think they're I, they go hand in hand for sure, but I do like the idea that they have limited the window. Like they they shortened it out of two months, and that probably was necessary. Like the fact that we had people still in the transfer portal in the month of July was silly. Like there really should be like this kind of tightening of the screws, where it's like this is your opportunity to jump to whatever school, and once it's over, it's over. I actually I. I do like the fact that they're liberating a lot of the player movement, but I don't I don't mind having just some slight control over over like uh, the time frame of which you can do it. Everything else the coaches complain about in terms of like, oh, man, you don't even know who's on your team. And I don't want to hear that. Like they can kick these people off their team anytime they want. So like the control should be at least like like switched back and forth. NIL is unique because it really depends on how much the boosters want to pony up and also how much you invest in whatever player you find valuable. Like, for example, I don't know the name of the I don't have the name of the booster in front of me, but Miami has one that threw a lot of money at Isaiah Wong, um, who is already there, and Nigel Pack, who was a transfer from Kansas State after they fired Bruce Weber. Those I don't know if those guys were worth what they got. I uh, there's there's rumors of how much they got paid. I don't really ha- because here's the thing: you're not an employee. These are not. It's almost like professional wrestling. They're they're independent contractors. They're not employed. They don't have a union. So you're not under contract when you sign a sponsorship nil deal to go to Miami. You sign a sponsorship deal that greatly encourages you to go there. You know, so it's really, really unique. Um, I think where it gets really interesting is if a booster or some group of boosters at a high-powered school or even a mid-major school, they just throw a bunch of money at a top recruit to go there. That's when I think it's going to get really interesting. Yeah, 
I mean, it definitely seems like the players have more power than they ever have before. Um, and coaching as a whole is going to be a lot more challenging because, you know, you're thinking about, you know, think about when a season ends and the NCAA tournament starts. You know, you find out on a Sunday that you make the tournament. So say you're a bubble team, you make the tournament. Um, you're preparing and taking a trip to play, you know, some of the biggest games of your life as a coach. Um, meantime, you're balancing out, like, who's jumping into the portal, um, who guys are going to want to jump after. Then you got to start thinking about, you know, who's going to leave my team. Um, it's tough. You know, if we go on a magic run, is half my team gone? It's going to be really tough to tell how the coach is going to have to manage that. And I think a lot of these guys weren't expecting it to turn as quick as it did. So, And, and in that case, I would say that that just comes down to having good leadership. Like, you know, I'll give this to Mike Krzyzewski, who finished his season last year uh, with, uh, you know, they lost in the final four to North Carolina. But he had his, he, he retired. But he always had a good point. He always said to his players, like, for every weekend that they played in the tournament, it's not 60, it's not you and 63 at the time, other teams. It's a four team tournament. At the end of the day, you're playing a weekend of four with four team with three other teams. If you win that, you go to the next one. You just focus on what you have in front of you. Um, and you got to do the same thing in conference play. Non-conference play is kind of like a, is, is a little more freelance. That's why I think you see so many random games that occur in, in non-conference play where teams lose that when you, once you get to March, you're like, how did that team beat that team? You know, but in conference play and then going into the tournament teams, teams are more put together, more composed, way more focused, barring injury. They're going to be a threat if they're good enough or if they get on like a magic carpet ride, like you said, but I don't really worry too much about like, Oh, the coaches, they have so much, they get paid enough. I think they will be fine. They do. They do. And I think that there's a lot more focus on their assistants at this point too. Um, maybe it's at the point where you're actually doing a lot more work and you're preparing yourself more for a huge job. If you're an assistant at a Kentucky than you are if you're the head coach at a Murray State or something along those lines. Um, that that'll be interesting. Um, I definitely noticed that um, there's a lot of like of assistants going out doing the recruiting while the coaches themselves, the head coaches themselves. And what happens is those top handle. assistants they get plucked as head coaches almost instantaneously. Yeah, yeah, you it's know. crazy. It's crazy. Um, and then other than that, we got to talk about a little conference realignment. Nothing um, crazy that's really impacting this season, but. UC, USC and UCLA are heading to the Big Ten. Um, what are your thoughts on that, and, and what does the Pac-12 do to stay afloat after losing, really, the two names that have held them above water the last few years? It's going to be hard for the Pac-12, uh, if that's what is. Did you mention the Pac-12? Yeah, Pac-12. So yeah. What's the Pac-12 going to do? Um, yeah. And then, you know, how do you think, like, the whole geographic nature of, of USC so the geographic and the Big nature... Ten is going to matter? The geographics never make sense. The pro the thing is, like they always come back to well, charters are so much cheaper, and you can just uh, you can just tr- we travel the world already, so it's not something that we're worried about having to do. So that's something that I think a lot of these administrators have kind of like that. That was an excuse they love to throw out there to prevent having to do realignment, and they've thrown that out the window for money grabs. That's that's over. The part with uh, the Pac-12 that's going to be really difficult because. USC and UCLA were institutions like they were they were like pillars to the Pac-12 to the or at the time the Pac-10 then before that was the Pac-8 but they they the idea of them not being there and being part of the Big Ten like 
they I mean the Big Ten is very powerful. They just signed a huge contract with uh, CBS and NBC and Fox. Uh, SEC's got a huge one with the with ESPN. The Big 12 is the one that is really interesting because, I mean, listen, I know you're a Big East fan. I've seen some really good SEC basketball years in my and, – and the ACC is really good most of the time. They've had some down years in the past few. In my opinion, the Big 12 is the most consistently good conference in terms of, like, their up-and-down quality of play. So for them, they do have football. There are gonna, they are going to go through changes that might put a dent in their basketball quality, uh, like, you know, losing Texas and Oklahoma. You do bring in BYU and Houston. So it's not like you take that much of a dent. I think they're going to be fine talking about the Big 12, even if they renegotiate their TV contract earlier than they want to. For the Pac-12, it's going to be really, really interesting. I I can see a future where the Pac-12 is no more, like in 10 or 20 years. Yeah, and I mean, the Big Ten and the SEC are now going to have 16 teams, um, which, you know, I can't imagine going much higher than that. But, you know, you never know if the, if the Super Conference thing comes into play. Right. Um, and then the Big 12 staying at 12. Um, you know, who knows what the ACC's big move is? They've lost a lot of power. They've been kind of... They'll find somebody. Pleading. Yeah, they they've been begging and pleading to get Notre, Notre Dame to be in the party. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe something happens with the Big East. It's tough because of the Big East being a predominant um, basketball school. I mean, basketball conference, there's no real football there. Um, that's that's always what's led, you know, me as a big-time UConn fan. I've always kind of thought our return to the Big East was going to be a short one. Um, mm-hmm. So... What what are your thoughts? You think UConn, as part of a Big East change, might be you know on the top of a list of one of these other conferences when they start adding in teams? Yeah. So the interesting part about UConn, like I can also link this up with Notre Dame, is that obviously football is the driver. Like there, that's the revenue driver, and that's been determining what a lot of these realignments. Like I'll give you, like I'm just looking at what the Big Twelve changes are going to be. I, I mentioned BYU and Houston. They also get UCF and Cincinnati. What do they have in common? They've all had, at some point in the last five years, really, really good football programs. Um, if you UConn has been um, downtrodden with, a, like, historically a really bad football program, they do try to do things to try to pick up the pace. But they do have a Division One football program, and they have history, and they've been, um, they have a pipeline, and and the Upper East Coast is not great in terms of football recruiting if you're not Notre Dame or Ohio State or Michigan, but they they are still there. So if they're able to at least build it up somewhat, maybe make some noise, they could be able to get back into the American. I don't know if that's something that the basketball fans would be happy with for UConn. I think they're kind of happy being back in the Big East with the Catholic Seven. But um, it's it's weird. And then Notre Dame, you mentioned that one. That one's really interesting because football, obviously, Notre Dame football has their own deal with the NBC, but they might get slightly bumped by the Big Ten going there. So what's the so now they have a quandary. Do you join the Big Ten as a full-fledged conference in football and basketball and all other sports, or do you stay independent and you're an ACC member in basketball only, which is what they are now? That So if the ACC loses Notre Dame, if Notre Dame jumps to the Big Ten, then ACC's got to plug that hole and it creates a whole nother chain reaction. So that's a big, big part of it that we don't know the answer to yet. Yeah, I'd really like to see something happen with the Big East and the ACC. Not, not I don't want to say merging, but 
there seem like a lot of parts that can come together. Like you've got your Syracuse, you've got your BC, um, you got your Pittsburgh, you got teams like that that have been historic Big East schools that the excitement would be there. Um, and then you've got like your Miamis, you've got your Dukes, the, you've got the teams that have always North Carolinas that have always been the the superpowers of the ACC. But if you're the big Big Twelve and you start plucking more schools um, to get you to sixteen, they're only at twelve now. Those schools have to be at the top of the list, right? And I mean, I know there's the natural rivalry of Duke and North Carolina, but money talks, right? Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, the, there's going to be a lot of people left in the dust in the situation. They're going to have to make some tough decisions and it's going to happen quick and it's going to come down to TV and it might not even be some of these deals are that they're going to take what gets, what gets them paid the most and look at the NFL. It might be a streaming service that gets rights to some of these conferences, you know? Yeah. Like the NBA is going into their, um, big rights, uh, negotiation soon. And Lord knows Amazon might be part of it. YouTube TV is already a part of NBA. So like that, that's going to expand into the college realm. And as these streaming services grow stronger and they want to look at live programming, because I mean, we've talked about this. I've talked about so many times on the AEW show, and I'm sure y'all talked about this on the WWE side. Live programming is so pivotal to, your to to ratings like it's almost a must so if you can get really good live sports programming guaranteed your service but you have to pay it at a premium you still might want to pay it at the premium price so like that's yeah. that's where even like the big east without really any i mean listen butler and villanova they do have football programs they're just division two so they're not like needle movers but the basketball wow like they got so much history they got the espn history they have a conference tournament madison square garden that they play every year they've and also i think they have a really good relationship with fox sports i don't think they want to leave you know um so that's that's another part of it that would be influential to what they do but um the only one that seems like it's really sticking to its guns in terms of regional uh like regional connection so far still is the big 12 that's going to change when oklahoma and texas leave but I still feel like that's sort of like in that sun, like that kind of mid belt area and the Texas area. And they, they just always churn out really good conference play. Yeah. And you got to, I mean, you got to think about Arizona for them too. Mm-hmm. Um, if, because Arizona, yeah. The, and then Arizona state as part of that conversation too. That's kind of geographically sensible, right? Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there, there's, we're going to, by the next time we talk college basketball, which may be for the tournament, there might be major changes coming out of the football season as well. Cause like we were saying, NCAA can control as much as they can with basketball, but football is the one that pushes most of these, these schools to make decisions. So it'll probably um, be in the summer. It's always when the NCAA yeah. tournament's over and the college football playoff playoff. Is yeah. Over. Then you start so, hearing well, all the rumors. We'll see, and we'll see if any of these these deals push any of these schools, you know, up a couple of years. Uh, that's going to be interesting as well. And then, lastly, uh, there's a lot of talk about possible changes being wanted for the NCAA tournament with either more or less teams involved. What are your thoughts on that? No, 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 no. Sixty-eight teams is fine. Just leave it as it is. I think it's perfect. Um, I love, I mean, over the years, the way they've changed the play-in games to be 11-11s or whatever they've been, have been awesome. Um, they just make those, they make everything. It feels like the tournament when you're watching those those play-in games now. 
when it wasn't always that case. So I, I've really fallen in love with the 68 team format. Um, I might say that because I haven't had to watch UConn play in one of those play-in games yet. I yeah, and, and it, it all it comes down to the same thing that we talked about, the conference realignment and the NIL and everything. Money grabs. It's about being able to generate revenue. And how do you generate revenue? You get more teams involved. You have more teams involved. You got more games. More games equal more ad revenue. So that's sort of the idea. But that would be a watering down of of the tournament that would – I wouldn't say like – kill the tournament but it would really dissipate what we anticipate when we get into the turn like can you imagine this thing being twice as long as it already is like i don't even want to think about that you know it it takes the excitement away yeah you can't you know you don't it's not as fun for brackets it's too much at that point you know it's the entire the entire aspect of it while it's money is also like it's the, the tournaments have certain class to it, you know, and, and, and the also more people the, won't feel that. And way. also, even though they have a really long contract that goes into 2030, it's a horribly undervalued contract because they signed it so many years ago. Stupidly talk about the NCAA yeah. Turner and CBS when it comes up in 2030. All I mean, that's long. That's like seven years from now. All bets are off. They might just yeah. completely scratch it and just call it March Madness or call it the college basketball tournament like the NIT back in the New York days in the early 50s. Like they might just do a whole brand new tournament and just get out of the NCAA completely and abolish it. You know, yeah, it's a lot of scary things to think about there, but um, we'll save that for hopefully never. <laughs> hopefully we don't have to talk about that again. Um, but anyway, so let's start breaking down these conferences. We're going to do it in alphabetical order. Um there's, there's a handful of them that we'll go through here, or actually a couple handfuls, we'll say. Um, first off, the American Athletic Conference. Um, now, you look at this, Houston is the clear class. What are your thoughts on Houston Cougars this year? They're going to be really good. So they're so they went to the Final Four in 21. They I think they kind of surprised people in 2022 with how good they were. I think going into the tournament, people recognized how good they were. They beat Arizona kind of easily until they lost Villanova in the Elite Eight. But they they had a couple injuries and they came right back from them and they did well. They bring back some of those injured guys and they bring in Jarese Walker and Terrence Arsenault, like really good high level recruits. Kelvin Sampson coaches defense. They they offensive rebound really well. It's a team that's just sort of like it's almost like Gonzaga in the WCC. They just stand apart from the majority of the American. You know, and the American does have good teams. Like they get multiple bids almost all the time. But Houston has gotten to a point in the last three seasons where they're just on a tear. And I'm sure they're going to have a peak and it might be this season coming up, but they're going to start at a really high level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're absolutely loaded at guard. I mean, Sasser and Sheard, like, I don't think there's a better guard combo in the country. Um, Those two guys are, they do everything for you. And it's, it's, they were so, I want to say big heavy at times last year in the tournament because, I mean, Carlton and White were just so good. Um, yeah. And then, you know, they lost Kyler Edwards, too. That That's a big loss. But Sasser being back and Shed really took took the reins of the tournament. If he can just get that shooting up into like the mid 30s instead of like the high 20, 20s, I think that this team's going to be really tough. I do like the conference um, more than most. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you said, I think there's like a couple other teams we're going to talk about here in a second. But um, this Houston team is going to be a team that is coming in with super high expectations. Everybody shit on this team last year and said, hey, they're not as good as they look. Um, The American Conference sucks. And then look at what they did in the tournament. They they jumped in there and, you know, ran roughshod for a bit. 
Um, and you know, they did some damage where they had to, so they're not a fun got... team to watch. They're not fun no. to watch, but they're very no. slow and they, um, they, they, they really rely on physicality, but they are very well put together. Yeah. And this, this Jerry race Walker kid looks like he's going to be a stud right off the bat. So very interested to see, you know, now that he's starting to get some higher end recruits in there, how everything's going to end up turning around for that team. And if they stay loaded for multiple years to go um now ultimately my biggest question around this team is can the front court give them enough because like i said but with losing white and carlton who were both you know a double double at any point last year both scored in the 12 range um they they lost a lot at big um for as strong as they are at guard they're gonna need walker to step up pretty quick here as a big yeah um, they they're, got, gonna need- they're gonna have to rely on darius bowser a lot. Yeah, they're gonna need a lot out of guys here that have never really been, you know, in the spotlight to kind of jump up, a, jump up a level. Uh, but with that guard play, it shouldn't be a problem for them. So we'll no, see. That'll be good. Now, what other teams do you like in the American to maybe make a run in the tournament? Um, the one I'll be—it's a bit of a homer pick because I'm from Louisiana, but I think Tulane under Ron Hunter is gonna be good. Like this, they bring pretty much everybody back from the previous year. I don't have their record in front of me, but they were, they had a pretty decent record. Jalen Cook is like, he's six foot, but he's got a lot of potential as a guard. He might actually, he's a sophomore, but this might be his last year. Uh, Jalen Forbes is there. Trey Williams is a transfer. They're, they're going to be pretty good. This will probably be the best team Ron Hunter's had at Tulane. Yeah. The, the Jalen backcourt Cook and Forbes, um, really good. Um, they're going to be they're going to have some fun games with Houston with that backcourt for sure, um, because we just talked about how strong Houston is in the backcourt. Um, and another team that I'm interested in, too, is Memphis. Um, they may have finally put some of the drama in the rearview mirror um, and just build off how they closed last year, which is very strong. They lost a lot, but they did pretty good in the portal. Uh, yeah. Bringing in bringing in guys like Kendrick Davis, who's going to immediately be like an All-American possibility here. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think Memphis, yeah, I think Memphis, he knows the conference, right? Like that's a guy that's doing one of those cost, uh, you know, cross-conference transfers. Um, and, and you know, we, we can't really count out Cincinnati, I feel like, ever. But I don't know. It's not – They've Julius had down the years. Stud. But I do like Wes Miller, the coach. He came, he came from UNC, I think, Greensboro. And he's a, a he used to play in North Carolina, but he's a really good coach. And he was under a little bit of pressure to try to succeed in his first year there in Cincinnati with pieces that didn't fit. I, I think they're going to be good. I don't think they're going to be like a surefire NCAA tournament team, but I wouldn't be shocked if Cincinnati made it. Yeah, I mean, I think the way I look at this is I see Houston definitely in Memphis would they should get in. Um, and then maybe Cincy and Tulane fight for a third spot here. I can't see all four getting in, but you never know. You know, th- weird things can happen sometimes depending on how the big conferences play out. Yeah. And and then you got the other ones like, um, I mean, East Carolina, no. Um, UCF under Johnny Dawkins sometimes. I think Tulane has uh, – or Temple, I'm sorry. I think Temple has a new head coach. I'm, I might be wrong about that. Um, I think actually uh, Aaron McKee, the Aaron it's McKee. Still, so Aaron McKee's still there, but they've they haven't made much noise. Wichita State, um, you, you know, um, Greg Marshall's not there anymore, but they they might do okay. Like uh, they're not in the they're not in the 
phase that they were when they had like Fred Van Vliet and Ron Baker. They're not in that phase anymore. So yeah, and SMU was was they lost a shitload of scoring, we'll and they lost the coach. Yeah, yeah. So that's always tough. Um, you know, but you know that's how the conference will maybe get to four bids as if you know the bottom of the conference isn't as bad as you think, and you know beating them up isn't going to really hurt or not really benefit like your two lanes and Cincinnati's of the world, but. We'll see. You know, you're right. UCF, you know, you never count on a Johnny Dawkins team. Um, doesn't look like it's going to be an exciting team, but you never know. Um, all right. Now, what are the players in this conference that you're going to want to watch out for? Um, for me, I, I, I mentioned Jalen Cook already. Um, Gus Okafor was at Southeastern Louisiana, and he's going to Wichita State. I think he'll get some good numbers. And uh, Dave DeJulius for um, Cincinnati will probably be the, his their top guard. Yeah, and, and I'm looking at Khalif Battle from um, Temple. You know, he averaged 20 points a game last year. Uh, yep. So, I mean, he only played seven games, but, I mean, I think that that would have held up if he played 30. Um, and enough, DeAndre Williams over in Memphis is, is somebody that I think is going to jump right in there and make a impact. Um, and then lastly, we haven't talked about Marcus Sasser enough. Um, I just love this kid. He was hurt. Yeah. So he yeah. didn't play a lot. So we can't forget about him with um, all the shed love that we will have, um, which rightfully so sheds also awesome. Um, and now who with the newcomers, whether these are freshmen coming in or transfers, who would be your AAC newcomer of the year? I mean, if, if Kendrick Davis doesn't count because he already played at SMU uh, and I had to sort of pivot away from that, I'd say probably Rob Fennessy with Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'll go Jerace Walker just cause I feel like he, he needs the impact for that team right away. And you know, with how good those guards are, he should be able to breathe a little bit and kind of do his thing pretty quick. Um, and then who will be your AAC player of the year? Uh, Jamal Shedd. I think Jamal Shedd's going to be one of the national leaders in steals. Yeah. Um, he, she should get a shitload of assists too. Uh, I like Kendrick Davis here. Um, I just think, you know, we're talking about him a lot, but he, he fills a massive void in that team. He's going to be able to push um, the lead in the league and in, in scoring, maybe even assists. Um, we'll see what type of role he plays with Memphis, but um, he's definitely someone that I'm looking forward to see play under Penny. So we'll see what happens. Now uh, let's move on over to conference two, another a school, um, the ACC, the Atlantic coast conference. Um, the big story here is it will be the beginning of the post coach K era. Now, this comes off of a year where UNC and Duke um, went on some magical runs to end the season. UNC, in particular, did a lot more than people expected from them when that bracket came out. Um, do you think Duke has done enough um, with their freshman coming in, which is the best class I've seen in a very long time, um, to be able to push this veteran-laced UNC team um, to the limit in their games together and maybe threaten them to win the conference? I mean, they had a freshman group that almost beat them last time. So, like, it it wouldn't shock me if if Duke made a run. Now, like, they're going – I don't know how long under John Shire, uh, who's now the head coach for Duke, that they're going – if they're going to continue with the one-and-done push. I would assume because they want to recruit at the highest level, a la Kentucky and UCLA and people like that, that they probably will continue to get these one-and-dones. Like, this year it's – Derek Whitehead and Derek Lively uh, and Kyle um, uh, Filipowski. Like, these guys are probably going to be one-and-done players who are only going to play one year. But you do have some people that carry in or carry over, like Jeremy Roach is back. And um, you bring in a couple other people, uh, like uh, Jaba Granderson from, um, from Illinois. So they do have a 
few pieces. I wonder, though, if the strategy, the in-game X and O strategy, will be slightly different from what Krzyzewski wanted. Um, if I had to guess, I think Duke is going to do a little bit more of that slap-the-floor defensive type of stuff. So I think they might actually slow it down a little bit and try to focus less on being a jump-shooting team. That That would be my guess. Yeah, with with even Kale Catchings that brought in from Harvard, um, he can score close to the basket, dribble drive a little bit. Um, he's he's a name that I was very interested in seeing when he went there. Um, they they're not a, a super deep roster, I don't think, especially compared to UNC, but they're so top heavy that it's like this is basically a high end G League team. They've been this way <laughs> for the last five years. Yeah, they never exactly. really have depth on their bench. It's but at least at the top. Yep. At least they have that stability at the point with Roach. Um, I thought that kid was really came into his own as the year went on. He really led those freshmen to levels that they, you know, let, let a guy like Paulo not have to worry about doing everything. And that was when he was at his be- at his best. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, UNC's deeper. Uh, freshman bigs like Duke has can can struggle with fouls in big games, um, especially with the, against the Baycott. Uh, but overall the talent level there, I mean, there's three lottery picks in that, on that roster right off the bat. Um, and if, if Roach can take his game to another level, then I really think that this team is going to be, you know, pushing to go to Houston themselves. Um, we'll talk about that in a bit, but, um, Mm. whenever you have, whenever you have guys that are this high of a level, it's all in how they mesh together. Sometimes it works. Most of the time it does at Duke. Sometimes they fall flat on their face. So we'll see. Um, ultimately this is a, a roster. I can't wait to see that first Duke UNC game as every year, at least you kind of know what you're getting out of UNC this year. Um, but with Duke, you know, you never really know, but I think it'll be good when all is said and done though. Now, what other teams do you have a focus on, um, to make the tournament here? There should be some obvious ones for sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously everyone's focused on Carolina. They literally bring everybody back that almost won a national title. That makes sense. So, but, uh, if, when you look at the ACC, I talked about Miami, even though they did lose a lot of pieces from that team that went to the Elite Eight, like Charlie Moore and Sam Wardenberg and Cam McGusty, like they still bring in real, they still have some nice talent in. They t- I talked about Pack and, excuse me, and then they have uh, Norcott Amir, who's like a sort of a, he's six foot seven, but he's sort of a big man who rebounds. Um, Jordan Miller is back, Isaiah Wong. Virginia is going to be good. Like, I think this is a version of Virginia that's not going to be in on the level of like the one that missed the tournament last year and the one that flamed out against Ohio in the uh, COVID bubble. Like, I think this version of Virginia is going to be defensively minded. Kahai Clark's going to be a senior at point guard. And I think they're actually going to be pretty talented. Um and then the one that I never count out is Leonard Hamilton at Florida State. He always seems to get talent. He always seems to get big guys and wings. And if he has just enough talent around him, they can at least get to the Sweet 16. Yeah, um, I, I like all those teams too. Uh, Miami, Virginia, uh, Florida State. Um, maybe even see a little bit of a lane with Vatek. Um, kind of mm. have to see how that all goes together. Their coach, um, Mike t- Young, is fantastic. Yeah, um, we'll also see how quickly Turquavian Smith can, um, you know, get the Wolfpack to another level. I don't think they're going to be quite there yet, but they're going to beat some teams for sure. Um, Another team to focus on, too, for me a little bit is Notre Dame. Um, They did lose, you know, Atkinson. They lost Blake Wesley. They lost Prentice Hub. But they did. um, J.J. Starling might be the most electric point guard in the conference from day one. I think he's the Um, highest recruit they've ever had. 
Yeah, and and Dane Goodwin um, is another one that you know he averaged almost 14 a game last year. He might push that into the the higher teens. Um, he's very good, and you still have Cormac Ryan as well, who can shoot the lights out. Um, so you never really count out a Mike Bray team either. He always has them ready to play. Um, sometimes they have their lapses, um, but they'll always play decent defense um, as long as they can score enough and, and Starley can give them what they want there. They can make another tournament run again as well. I remember uh, now, when there was a rumor that Mike Bray might retire. Yeah, you know? yeah he so. might be another one that doesn't want to deal with the transfers, you know. Uh, right. It could happen at any point, right? He's been there for 22 years, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, he came um, from Delaware. Yeah, yeah. So that that's a fun little team that that might make make a splash at times. Um, now players to watch. Who do you got your eyes on to you know take the game to the next level? I know I already mentioned Roach and kind of stole that from you. Um, oh yeah, uh, but um, Caleb Love obviously he was the Duke killer in the um he pretty much killed everyone he played against in the uh, NCAA tournament. Um, you mentioned Terquavian Smith. Um, you know, for Virginia Tech, it's hard to say one guy because they're sort of a defensively minded team. They don't really have anybody that stands out. Um, Matthew Cleveland might break out for Florida State. Uh, and then you've got um, Joe Girard. Joe Girard's going to probably be the, the leading guard for Syracuse, uh, and he's probably going to get a lot of three-point shots up. Yeah, I, I just I, I laugh at Syracuse. Being, I hate them, so <laughs> I won't say anything positive about them. Um, they, but they, we'll – They'll be successful in some way. Like, I think they'll get a couple of upsets and make it interesting and wind up on the bubble again. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's obviously some teams we can count out here, like your Pittsburghs of the world. Um, but uh, looking at Virginia, I'm looking at Jaden Gardner and Reese Beekman, um, two guys that are really going to dictate how far that Virginia team goes. Um, I think Virginia is a lot deeper than they normally have been, which has always kind of hurt them in those tight games. Um, that's what caused them to, you know, take some – some un, unfathomable losses, we'll say, over the years. Um, now, ACC Newcomer of the Year, who do you like here? Uh, one that I like is Baba Miller at uh, Florida State. I, I he was he kind of did Euro stuff, but he's um, you know kind of a like a tall forward. He'll play a lot. Ben Vanderplas, I think, is going to take a lot of shots for Virginia. Like he's going to be their sort of designated three point shooter, a zone buster. Yeah. Yeah, um, someone else from Florida State, Caleb Mills, um, you know, shot 35% from three last year and like 86% from the line or something crazy. He's a lights-out shooter. He can take his game to another level. Um, And, yeah, Baba Miller, there's a lot of good things I hear about that kid. Um, And then, you know, Deontay Green, he was uh, their top American recruit for FSU. Those are some guys, if FSU is going to be good, they're all going to be performing. Um, And and one that I'm really excited to see is Lively at Duke. But also Pete Nance, um, if he can come in and give them, you know, 35% at the beginning of the year of what Brady Manick gave them and then bring that up to the higher level of, of you know, being that long, stretch the floor big. I mean, Manick averaged 15 a game. Um, there's no reason for me to think. And that Manick was also a lights out shooter in the tournament. I don't know yeah. if he can duplicate that. No, so we'll see. I mean, Nance shot like 40% from three last year, but we'll see. I mean, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to come in and be manic, and, and I don't know that he's going to be fully manic, but they should have enough around him that it shouldn't matter. Um, and then who's the ACC player of the year? Armando Baycott. I'd be, st- I'd be actually be surprised if he didn't win it again. 
Yeah, I can't argue that. Uh, there's a couple of them here that we'll definitely agree on because I just can't see anybody else taking that from him. Um, I mean, short he's going to lead. He's going to lead the league in rebounding. He's probably going to average like 15 to 17 points a game. Yeah, short of Lively coming in and having a Zion type impact when he comes in and averages 20 and 10, he might be the only one that has even a shot at, at seating, unseating him there. Um, but yeah, Baycott, he came back to to lead this team. So I'm very excited to see what that team does with him at the at the uh, forefront. And he's a real I, I've heard him on some podcasts off season. He's a really smart kid. I'm looking forward to I don't I don't like UNC at all, but I, they, they were fun to watch late last year. So um, now Atlantic 10s in going to be our third conference. Um, now Dayton looks loaded. What are, what are your thoughts on this on this 2022 uh, 2023 Dayton roster? Um, it's not as good as the one in 2020, but who can be? I mean, you had the Wooden Award winner, Nobi Toppin, and you had a really loaded roster, and they had, like, the best offense in the country. Dayton's not on that level coming up, but I think what really started it is I think they beat Kansas in a multi-team event in Orlando. Like, that's kind of where it began, where, like, they didn't get to the tournament this past season, but you could see signs that they were improving and that they were getting somewhere. And, you know, they got Deron Holmes and they've got a couple other guys. And Anthony Grant's a good coach when he has the personnel to use. Yeah, I mean, they brought all five starters back. You can't really knock that. Um, Deron Holmes, uh, he he averaged 20 a game at the the tail end of the season, like the last like five or six games of the year. Um, He should come in and be the full-blown leader of this team moving forward. Um, the, I, I can't see this team not being a locked tournament team um, unless, you know, they have some injuries. They, they might not be that that deep, but they've got some experience now. Um, so we'll see where they go. They still won 24 games last year. Um, so now they just need to make sure they don't lose um, to UMass Lowell. Um, and yeah, the problem with the A-10 is that you got to do actually better than that in order to get into the tournament. Exactly, exactly. people. Yeah, and I, I also really like St. Louis to push them a little bit here, too. Um, they should get in as well, as long as they don't go belly up early. They do play a tough schedule. They play a tougher schedule than most. Um, I will talk about that a little bit more here in a second. Um, but they – actually, no, I might as well now. Um, they're out of conference. They, they play Murray State, Memphis, Maryland. Um, and then the, the Maryland uh, is at Mohegan. The winner of that gets uh, – well, they'll either play PC or Miami, Providence or Miami. Yeah, um, they also – then they also have Auburn and Iona. This is going to be a very battle-tested St. Louis team by the time they hit A-10 play. And I'm telling you what, Dayton's not playing anywhere near that gauntlet of a, of a out-of-conference schedule. So St. Louis is going to come in ready to fight once that conference turn, uh, conference play begins. Um, now, what other teams do you think have a shot at making this tournament? Out of the um, out of the uh, the um, Atlantic 10, the problem is I don't really like a lot of them. Like I like some of the coaches that they have. Like Mark Schmidt, I think, is a good coach at St. Bonaventure. But if you track their transfer portal stuff, literally all their players left uh, to, to different schools. Uh, Richmond had a really good year, um, but that was a senior-laden team, and all those guys have departed. So I don't know if they can repeat that. They bring in Loyola Chicago out of the Valley. And Loyola Chicago, everybody knows, they went to the Final Four. They went to the Sweet 16 a couple of years ago. But, I mean, there's always that um, rickety start when you go to a conference that's a little higher level than the one that you were normally situated in. And I think that's what's going to happen to Loyola Chicago. You could have even made a case for Fordham, but Fordham lost their coach Kyle Neptune to Villanova. So, like, every team seems to have, like, um, like a like a, like a speed bump. So, I, and even Davidson, Bob and Killip retired. So, like, 
the only one I could see who could make noise is VCU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like, I like Richmond. I, I mean, everybody's going to talk about Tyler Burton and I mean, that kid's a, an NBA player for sure. Um, but one name that's going under the radar is Neil Quinn. Um, he led Lafayette last year in scoring, rebounding and assists. He was an all Patriot league player and a guy that comes from the Patriot league comes into pretty similar style of play in the a 10. Um, obviously more athletes, but it's a similar system they play at Richmond that he did have at Lafayette. So he's going to come in and be a seven footer. That's going to be able to dominate some people right off the bat. Um, that team just has to play better defensively um, that you think they'll score a little bit. Um, that's the team I kind of have. I kind of expect them to make the tournament, but it might be tough for this conference to get three in. So they might have to win a play in game to get back there. So um, now what players do you have to watch um, on the, in the a 10 that we haven't talked about yet? Um, one that I would say to definitely keep your eye on, uh, would be, uh, Javon Pickett with, who came from Missouri, who's down in St. Louis. Um, also Victor Bailey Jr. is going with, um, cause he knew Kim English, I think from Tennessee. So, cause he was at, from Tennessee to Oregon, now he's at George Mason and he might get a lot of playing time under Kim English there. Yeah. And I really like Yuri Collins from St. St. Louis. Um, that kid is going to lead that team to be, you know, the top assist guy in the, in the nation again, probably like he was last year. Um, he has a ton of options around him now. Um, and, you know, he's going to really show out in that, in that tough schedule they've got out of conference. Um, other guys keep an eye on Philip Alston at Loyola Chicago and uh, Josh Aduro at George Mason. Um, those are two guys that are going to come in and, and make a splash here for sure. Um, uh, in this season for them. Now, overall, who's your a 10 newcomer of the year? Uh, Brandon Johns Jr., who came from Michigan, who's now playing at VCU. Yeah, and and you already mentioned him, but I was I had Javon Pickett here as well for St. Louis. Just think yeah. that they're going to be a good team, so he should be able to shine out. Um, and then overall, who's the A10 Player of the Year? Uh, Tyler Burton and Richmond. Yeah, I like Burton a lot. I still go with Deron Holmes. Um, I think that's like a one A one B though. We'll see. I think it could be. Um, Dayton gives it, they give it to their best player, but who knows? They might have too much balance and ends up with Burton. Um, but good stuff. All right. So now the key to my heart is here. We're talking about the Big East. Um, first off, the obviously the biggest story here before we will list two big ones. Uh, the Kyle Neptune era begins at Villanova. Um, uh, we have a brand new regime heading into Villanova. What are your thoughts on that with the Jay Wright departure? Um, sometimes it's good to see have a fresh set of eyes on the personnel. Like I remember when Bruce Weber took over at Illinois and Bill Self was a great coach at Illinois, but he left for the Kansas job. And when Bruce Weber got there, he fit perfectly with what they had to the point that they almost went undefeated, you know, and, and won a national title. Um, I'm not saying that's necessarily going to be the case with Kyle Neptune. He's got really big shoes to fill at Villanova. Jay Wright won two national titles, built a monster there perennial. You could call Villanova blue blood if you want. Um, but I do think that he might be able to do things. He's very familiar with the team. That's why they hired him out of Fordham. When people kind of like had their hands up in the air, like, why did you hire him? Well, he was their top assistant for years. So he knows the, he knows the territory. He knows how to recruit there. He knows the three point shooting gig. Like he's got it all down. So it was kind of a seamless transition. So you might see sort of like 
J. Wright Jr. You might see a very a somewhat similar offense, but it's good to have a fresh set of eyes. They do have a lot of obstacles ahead of them in terms of injuries. You know, Cam Whitmore, who's like a top, who's going to be a top prospect in the NBA draft, he's hurt starting the season. Uh, I think Caleb Daniels is injured, and then Justin Moore tore his Achilles in the tournament, so he won't be starting until later. So they're going to have a few hitches to start the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, losing Jermaine Samuels, it should be okay because you're going to replace that with Cam Whitmore, who's going to be their first one and done in 25 years, um, which I really think that might be why Neptune was a choice because he was around when Whitmore was was being recruited. Um, and it's something that, you know, they probably wanted to keep this team as close to whole as possible um, to not lose a guy like him. Um, right. Now, Colin Gillespie, we can't talk about his loss um, with, you know, and really ever hold it to a level. I mean, this guy was Villanova forever. It felt like yeah. he was there for 100 years. Um, but Mark Armstrong's going to come right in and try to t- try to take over. Um, he's he's a very good player. He's a good freshman. He's going to be an NBA player, too. Um, now, Eric Dixon is somebody that can, you know, put a double-double on you at any point. He's a great um, he's a offensive center. He's smaller, but he's a very yeah. good offensive center. Yep, and then there's some other guys that, you know, you look at Angelo Brizzy, who he might be a Colin Gillespie light. Um, he might help um, team there. Again, another Archie Diacchio. They, I, I can't even say his name. Archie, Archie Dion, Diacchino. Diacchino. Yeah. There's, so, there's always one of them. And then Brandon Slater, um, he was a, a walking double-double at points last he year as well. He played a lot so. in the tournament time. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they've got a deep team, but they're going to have some hiccups early. Um, but this is going to be a team you're not going to want to see in February. I think that's when Justin Moore's back. I think this team's really going to take off. And it seems like Whitmore will be back. I mean, it's a thumb, thumb surgery, so sometimes that affects your ability to shoot. But, I mean, this guy's a physical beast, so we'll see. Um, now, let's talk about the other big name. Years, Creighton. They went on a little Cinderella run last year. They were at one point didn't even look like a tournament team. And then next thing you know, they lose their best freshman and they just seem to never miss a beat. Um, and then they bring in a Baylor Sherman who is just an electric guy. You, you know, love watching this kid play. Um, he fills the Ryan Hawkins role pretty much right off the bat. Um, what are your thoughts on Creighton's potential here in 2022, 2023? This is the probably the most talented team Greg McDermott's had. I mean, he had some good ones when he had like um Marcus Zigarowski, and then even when he had his son Doug, like that team was really good. But th- in terms of like the most well-rounded team, like this is probably the one. Like this is a team with Arthur Kaluma in the at the at the four spot. Ryan Kalkbrenner is a decent shot blocker. He's much better of an offensive center than he is a defensive center, but a big is a big. So you got size to like thwart people at the rim and shot blocking and then you got some slightly taller guards like ryan nemhart who was hurt um most of last like at the tail end of last season um they do lose ryan hawkins but Baylor shireman he was mr everything at south dakota state a team that went to the tournament last year so shireman's gonna come in and be a beast like i i mean i would i'll just give it away i think he's gonna definitely be the newcomer of the year in the big east yeah, and, and I mean the the good like you never say that hurt getting somebody hurt is good because Nemhart was the Big East freshman of the year, um, but with him going out, it let Trey Alexander kind of take over the point guard spot, gain some confidence, and now he's going to be a six four guard off the ball, and now you've instantly got a, a lights out backcourt. 
to go with a Kelk Brenner who might be the Big East player of the year, definitely the the defensive player of the year, um, and your Shearman, um, and, you know, Kaluma is probably a lottery pick. So that is as electric a a front uh, starting lineup as you might get in the country, let alone just the Big East. Um, And, you know, Mason Miller is another guy that added strength. They got Francisco Farabello from TCU Mm -hmm. um, who can shoot the lights out as a 40% three-point shooter. Um, this team's loaded um, defensively last year. Um, they they actually struggled with scoring more. I don't think they're going to with Baylor in town, um, but, um, you know, maybe Baylor hurts them defensively a little bit, um, but who knows? I mean, they didn't really like looking at Ryan Hawkins, um, good, you know, good leader last year, but I think Baylor's going to take uh, over most of what he did um, and maybe even give you more scoring. I don't think they lost a lot with Alex O'Connell. Um, I feel like he kind of w- was exposed defensively a lot last year. Um, mm-hmm. This team's going to be really good. Um, and, you know, me being a UConn guy, I was scared of Creighton when they weren't good because they always beat our ass. Um, so now I'm looking at this team like, oh, God, what are we going to do with them? Um, so let, let, I'm very excited to see this team in action. I mean, they can win 25, 30 games. Um, it, it's kind of crazy to see. As soon as I saw that Baylor was available, I was like, oh, God, please don't go to Creighton. And then, of course, he did. So (laughs) so it was just a perfect fit for them. Um, Now, what other teams do you think are going to make the tournament out of the Big East? I mean, this is I mean, they usually get five. But I I mean, I do feel pretty confident about a few of them. Like, I mean, we talked about Nova. We talked about Creighton. I think Providence is at a point where they're just going to be good no matter who they have because they know how to coach up their guards. So they lose a ton. Nate Watson, Noah Horkler. Manaya, Al Durham, they're gone. But you bring back, you know, Ed Croswell. I, I think I think Croswell's hurt, but I might have to take that back. Uh, Jared Bynum, uh, they bring in Bryce Hopkins from Kentucky, Noah Locke uh, from Louisville, Devin Carter from South Carolina. Like, they're going to be just fine. Like, I think they're they're at a point under Ed Cooley where they're just going to be in the running all the time. Um, and then um, Xavier with uh, Sean Miller there now. And I'll give you a surprise. I think actually Seton Hall is going to get there under Shaheen Holloway. I don't think Kevin Willard left the covered bear there. There's a lot coming out of there this week, though, um, as we record this the week before Halloween. Um, he, he's only had seven healthy guys of practice for the last week um, at oh, Seton wow. Hall. Um, yeah. And he's been kind of outspoken in how, you know, when he played 20 years ago, how guys played through injuries and that's never a good thing when you're talking about that before season starts. Um, but I mean, they have Kadari Richmond, so I can't really bash that team. Um, so we'll see. I mean, between him and Yetna, that's a really good team. Um, we'll see. I mean, he also brought some experience over from, um, he, he got Joe Quan Sanders to switch over from St. John's to Seton hall. Um, he brought over Casey Nadifo from St. Peter's. Yeah, from that Cinderella um, run. And then Alan yeah. Dawes from Clemson. Yeah. Yeah, Femi Odakale, whatever you say, from Pitt. Um, he was among the AC leaders in assists last year's. Um, so they have some ACC talent in there with the St. with the St. Peter's transfer. So um, they might start slow, but they will be another tough one later. Um, you know, I can still see him get in. Um, Providence, um, I will talk about them. I mean, we, you got to – respect what they did last year. Um, it really, to me, comes down to how good um, the transfers are, especially Hop- Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter. Um, Carter, everybody speaks about his defense. Um, he draws fouls. He draws charges. 
he if he can give you 80% of what Manaya did defensively, then that's a good thing for this roster. But looking at that roster, they they may struggle at the free throw line. Um, and last year they had Durham who would close every game out for them without issue. I think it was like a 90% free throw shooter. Um, mm-hmm. Horkler would shoot him easy at the line as well. Um, Watson, I, I, I love love Nate Watson. I think Ed Croswell, when he plays, will give you most of what Watson did. But Croswell averaged like seven fouls per 40 minutes. So he's never been a starter. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But they did get Clifton Moore from LaSalle, um, who will push Croswell at times, and they might even play double big with him. Um, and we'll see how my, my old boy, Corey Floyd does over there. Um, there was a lot of hype with him at, at UConn and he just up and went to Providence, which obviously still doesn't sit well with us. Um, mm-hmm. and I got to talk about my Huskies. Um, okay. I think that, um, Andre Jackson, he's someone that can do it all. He will be handling the ball a lot. I know he's, he's just had surgery on a finger, um, but he will be back, you know, the week before Thanksgiving from what we're hearing. Um, Jordan Hawkins, this is a guy that I still feel like is being disrespected nationally. And I'm not just saying that as a UConn fan, but I think this guy could play himself into being an NBA first rounder as early as next year. Um, and then our transfers, I mean, the transfers are going to really be where we go. Um, Tristan Newton, um, averaged 17 a game for ECU last year down in the American Joey Calcaterra was from San Diego two years ago. He was all conference second team. Um, Naheem Aline, uh, Virginia Tech transfer, who shot 40% mm-hmm. from three last year. Hassan Diara, who is a New York point guard. Um, he was just clutch for A&M at times last year. And then our freshman, Alex Caravan, 6'8 kid. Um, he joined the team halfway through last year and just kind of, you know, was unable to play. He was just kind of a early, early grad year or whatever they call it. Um, and then Donovan Klingen, who was a uh, top 40 recruit um, from Connecticut, 7'2". Came in about 295 at the end of his college year, and now he's down to 255. Um, and of course, Sonogo. Um, Sonogo apparently was told by NBA scouts he needs to develop a jumper, and he spent his offseason doing it. I got to see it to believe it. Um, <laughs> but if, if that kid's got a jumper, then watch out. He's a big um, guy. He's six foot nine, but he is all six foot nine. <laughs> yeah, he's a strong, strong beast. Um, another team I don't want to talk, I, I want to say some good about is Butler. Um, I, I really like what, what Thad Mata was able to pull in with, um, the transfer portal there. Um, but he still has Chuck Harris who led the team in scoring for two straight years. And Simus Lacocious was a kid that was just electric in the big East tournament at MSG last year. Um, but where they really are going to impact you is defensively in the paint. Um, they brought in Manny Bates, who was, uh, fourth in career blocks all time at NC state. Um, Ali Ali, who was second team all Mac last year at Akron. Um, these guys will keep you out of the paint. Um, and with the Kalkbrenners, the um, Adamas of the world, that's a really good thing to have in the Big East. Um, and then St. John's opposite side of it are going to have the electric backcourt duo of Posh Alexander and Andre Corbello. Um, Curbelo, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, he, I it think depends he, on which one you get. Sometimes Curbelo is fantastic. Sometimes he's just dog shit bad. Yeah, but Posh is so good. I mean, he he was an all Big East pick two years. Um, he can lead the league in steals. He can lead the league in assists. Um, and you know he might not be on the ball as much with Curbelo there, but Posh Alexander is just a dream to have on a team. He does a little bit of everything. 
And they, they stole David Jones from DePaul, who was ninth in the Big East in scoring last year. He knows this knows the team. They did lose a lot with Champagny and Aaron Wheeler. I mean, that was 30 points a game with those if two. If they guys. had Champagny one more time, I think they would have been really good. Yeah. So, but they're gonna they're gonna be a team that will beat some teams that they shouldn't beat, and they'll lose to some teams that they shouldn't lose to. Um, so they'll be fun to watch at times. But I am not really scared of them if you have some size. Um, now, what are the players that you want to focus on watching in the Big East this year? Um, in the Big East, like the ones that I would keep an eye on, definitely Jared Bynum, and then Colby Jones at Xavier is going to get a lot of playing time. Yeah, Bynum should be – I mean, he played starter level minutes last year. He's going to come in. He might average 20 for that team. Yeah. Um, you know, Colby Jones at Xavier, uh, Jordan Hawkins at UConn, uh, Alexander, Kadari Richmond. There's a lot of talent in this conference. Um, Mark Armstrong, you know, I, I might have him as Biggie's newcomer of the year, but if he can come in and impact Villanova right away, that Villanova team is going to be tough. I, I don't think Georgetown is going to be good, but I, Brandon Murray played at LSU. He's going to play a lot for Georgetown. He's a good player. And Ewing is playing for his career. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, this is his job. He's coaching for his job. So, so we'll see. I mean, they they completely overhauled their roster. Um, Aminu, Aminu Muhammad was was very good player for them. Um, Ryan Matumbo is still there. Um, they're going to have size. They got a cook, a cook from, from UConn, um, who I'm not going to expect a they lot got from. They got back. Like he left yeah. from Maryland, then he went back. <laughs> yep. And then Primo Spears uh, led to Kane in scoring last year as a freshman. That was a good steal for them. Um, some other teams to talk about here um, are players, Cam Jones and Marquette. Um, he was an all freshman player last year, but I don't like that roster that Shaka's got at Marquette at all. Um, the Shaka start smart brand has definitely fallen off a cliff a little bit. Um, losing Justin Lewis, um, who averaged 17 and eight last year to go not that even get huge. drafted. Yeah. Um, that was, that definitely kind of showed um, some signs of not a great thing going on there at Marquette. Um, so who do you have as your big East newcomer of the year? Shireman at Creighton. Yeah. I can't argue that. Um, Mark Armstrong for me, um, just because everybody talks about what else, what else Villanova has. I think if he can impact that team, they're going to be solid. Um, and I mean, for us, we need to get a lot out of Tristan Newton, especially with uh, with um, the injury to Andre Jackson. Now, who is your biggest player of the year? Uh, Eric Dixon at um, Villanova. Impressive. I like that pick. He's a good guy, good player. Um, I, I'm going to say Adama Sinogo because he's the preseason player of the year, so I don't feel bad saying it. Um, but I think Kalkbrenner is going to be right there as well. Um, those are three incredible bigs that we just mentioned. So yep. it's going to be fun watching them all duel this year, and they could be three of the three of the top four best teams in the conference when all is said and done. So good stuff. Now over to uh, my second favorite conference, as we kind of talked about before, the Big 12. Um, they seem pretty wide open here. It's a deep conference as usual. Um, Baylor and Kansas still kind of at the top, though. So what are your thoughts overall? Are Baylor and Kansas going to still be the, the clear one-two in this league, or is someone going to push them? Uh, they're going to be a one-two, but there's also like – a one and two a, I mean, Texas is not that far behind. Like I know that people poo pooed on them cause they didn't have like the hottest start under Chris Beard, but I really respect Chris Beard as a coach. And he had a roster that he just threw together in the transfer portal at the last minute. And so I think they're going to be good. 
Iowa State made a run. Can they do it again? I'm not sure because they lost a lot. They lost Tyrese Hunter. They lost um, Brockington. Texas Tech lost a lot, but they bring in Davion Harmon and Fardos Amok, the big man there. So they're going to be good again. And TCU brings like everybody back. But then again, it's Jamie Dixon. And I just don't trust Jamie Dixon as a coach. But yeah, um, I don't like I don't like the, I don't like him at all. As old pick guy. You know, and then the two Oklahoma schools, you know, they're not that far behind to be honest. I thought Oklahoma State got the fucking job by the NCAA last year, but um, Kansas is the defending champion, but they lost a lot. You know, you lose Abaji and Braun and McCormick. That that's huge. I mean, like yeah. that's hard to recover from. But they they recruit well. So does Baylor. Baylor lost a lot. They lost. Sohan, they lost Matt Meyer to the transfer portal. James Akinjo has gone, but they do bring back Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer. So, yeah, you got a lot of nice talent coming back. You do. I mean, Baylor and Kansas at this point are, you know, they were just reload every year. They've won titles um, the last two championships. Exactly. Yeah. So you can't really – no one's really bad two years after winning a title or a year after winning a title. It's just the culture's there. Um, they did lose a lot. You know, Matthew Mayer leaving Baylor um, was kind of a, a shocking one. Um, that kid was a lights-out shooter at times for them. Um, I mean, six nines that can shoot like him are good to have. Um, but they still have – studs after studs there um kansas the same um uh, other schools what well pretty much i guess we'll say it now what other schools do you think are kind of locks to make the tournament here and which ones are gonna have to do a little bit of extra work to get there i think texas tcu and texas tech the three texas ones i think they're gonna make it i think the two oklahoma schools oklahoma state and oklahoma have some work to do but it's not out the realm of possibility like oklahoma under porter moser like if you look at their roster grant Sherfield came from nevada they get uh james bama seal um and then they got the groves brothers were from eastern washington but they've been there for a year now and then they bring in a couple of good freshmen at the guard spot like they're actually gonna be pretty good if porter moser can get him to play defense which is what he always wants oklahoma state like they play that they play that um that old that spread offense that they that uh brad underwood used to do and uh under mike boynton and they're pretty good even when they didn't have Cade last year they were pretty good so you might want to keep an eye on them yeah, Avery Anderson's really good for them. Um, led them yeah. in scoring. He, he just needs to improve. The Oklahoma State as a whole needs to improve their three-point shooting. They were bottom of the country in three-point shooting last year, and yeah, that losing, took them out of losing losing uh, uh, like Lakile is huge. Like that, was it huge. is. Yeah, it is. They they did lose some talent, um, so everybody's gonna have to step up there. Um, they did. Um, I mean, it's Mike Boyd. He's a good coach. I mean, I think I don't think he's a great coach, but uh, Musa Sissi um, was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year last year um, after transferring from Memphis. So he's somebody that I think you can keep an eye on to be a stud pretty much right away for them again this year. Um, and now players to watch. So what players do you have your eye on to, to uh, seek out in this conference? I love Mike Miles at TCU. He's a small guard, but he's a bulldog. Like, he just seems to always find a way to score. Um, and Gabe Kalsher is a really good player at Iowa State. Iowa State also, by the way, cleaned up in the uh, in the transfer portal, like, um, even though they lost a lot. So, th- those guys. Yeah, for Kansas to still be great, it's going to be Jalen Wilson. It's going to be Grady Dick, who is their prize recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got over at Texas, Marcus Carr is somebody I'm watching. And then I already mentioned Avery Anderson at Oklahoma State. Um, now, who's the Big 12 newcomer of the year? Um, for me, I've got actually Usan Usani 
who was a big man who played at um, St. Bonaventure, I believe, and now he's at Iowa State. Yep, yep. And then, um, you know, you've got Tyrese Hunter for Texas and Kevin McCuller. Um, even though he didn't leave the conference, he does have a new job. So we'll see how yeah, those guys are. Mueller was really good at Texas Tech. Him going to Kansas, yeah. that was a coup. Yeah, he's a he's a three and D guy for sure. Um, when he entered the portal, I was I was salivating at the idea of him myself. Um, yeah. And then um, Keontae George for me at Baylor, um, he's top be ten a recruit. Pick. Yep. He's a lottery pick. He's going to come in. Him and Flagler are going to be an awesome duo from day one. Um, and then Dylan Mitchell over at Texas. Um, he's somebody that I'm focused on too at being you know a stud right away. Um, Somebody that I really think is, you know, top over five overall player in the two 24-7 composite ratings. Um, you know, him and Timmy Allen, that's another good one-two, you know, big man, yeah. small, big man, small man punch that they're going to have on the court a lot to go with Carr, who has started 120 games across three different schools. So he's somebody that I think. And then Serge Jabari Rice was somebody that came over from New Mexico State. And yeah, they, a lot won, of big they won a tournament game. I think didn't, they beat UConn, right? They sure did. Yep. And I saw a lot of this kid and he's tough as nails. Everybody talked about um, Allen, who, who, you know, they should have in that game. Um, but Jabari, Sir Jabari Rice was somebody that was very tough to defend in that game as well. So um, they got Arterio Morris, who was a um, McDonald's All-American as well. Texas is, is going to be pretty good. Um, and who's your Big 12 player of the year? Uh, Timmy Allen at Texas. Yeah, I've got Flagler, but Allen's a good choice. I, I, I wouldn't really be shocked that McKeeler, if McKeeler won it at uh, Kansas. Yeah, no, he's going to be able to be a star right off the bat. Now, over to the Big 10, another conference that's loaded as always. Um, Indiana, are they the team to beat? No, I don't think there's a team to beat. So I've heard some people poo-poo on the conference that like the that the teams are not as good as they are because they don't have high-level NBA talent coming out this time. But I, I I always like the depth of the Big Ten. They always seem to get well. They have great fan attendance. They have good. You know, there's great school spirit. Um, their out-of-conference performance in the ACC Big Ten Challenge is usually really good. And um, they have pretty high-level coaching there across the board. You know, Chris Holtman, Matt Painter, Tom Izzo's still there. Um, and um, and they bring in Kevin Willard, Brad Underwood. Um, I really like that Illinois team that's coming in. They even got they got a lot of new pieces, but they're talented. Indiana, a lot of people are bullish on them because they're bringing back Trace Jackson Davis. Um, I have I still have some doubts. Um, and then, you know, Jawan Howard just – People can poo on him all he, all they want because of the outburst he had against Wisconsin, but he delivers. Like, if you look at the tournament results, Jawan Howard brings the goods. He does, and this conference is just – every team is better in February and March because of this conference. Um, even your bottom-tier schools, they, they get into rock fights with you. Um, it's, it's always, it's always to me been similar basketball to the big East and a level that, you know, defense comes first. Um, but there's, there's a lot of talent spread out here. Um, I mean, you, you talk, look at the top six or seven teams here, seven, eight teams, really. Um, a lot of people have Wisconsin as like the ninth best team in the conference. Are they ever really bad? You know what I mean? So yeah, this is a conference that's deep as hell. Um, they're always going to be. Uh, just crazy level of talent and, and the games are just always fun to watch. Um, Indiana is very good. I mean, I think Trace Jackson Davis is 
an NBA player. Um, I think that kid this year is going to be unstoppable. He was basically unstoppable in the tournament last year when they went on that run, the Big Ten tournament. Um, mm-hmm. That was my favorite tournament to watch last year, by none. Um, every game was entertaining between Purdue, between Iowa I, and the Murrays. Yeah. It was just a crazy tournament, fun to watch. Um, and then Michigan, you're right. I mean, people can talk all the shit they want about Michigan and, and you know, Jalen, um, Jawan Howard. But you're right. He got them there, and once they were there, they were a tough out. So um, I really like their pickup of Jalen. I think it's Lee, Lee Lewin or whatever. How do I pronounce the kid from Princeton? Uh, Lu- um, well, yeah, that kid's a stud. Um, he's somebody. They also got freshman Terris Reed and Jet Howard. Um, they'll get all newcomer attention for sure. Now they losing, kind of losing Houston and Diabody was huge. Like if, it was gonna have to clean up a little bit. Devonte Jones as well. Um, but I mean, Hunter Dickinson's there. So, um, that kid can average 20 and 10. Um, if, if the cards fall into place, right. Um, Terrence Williams was also a good pickup for them. Um, he, he's a lights out shooter and he's got some size, um, six, seven, just shoot the lights out for you. Um, Really good, you know. Illinois, Purdue, they're going to be good, but not maybe quite as top level as no they Jay were Nye. last year. Yeah, they had their no shot last yep. year and it didn't happen. But they got Zach sure. they got Caleb first, Mason Gillis. Like they got some pretty nice talent. It's just going to be more of a standard Purdue team that you're used to watching. For sure. So Indiana, Michigan, Ohio State is probably a lock to make the tournament. Purdue's probably a lock to make the tournament, and we can't really count out an Izzo team ever. Um, no. They always tend to find a way. Um, Hall, Hoggard, Hosser, and Walker each averaged 20 plus minutes for them last year, and they made the second round. They're all back. Um, they're gonna have to. They didn't really do enough in the portal, but it's it's Izzo. He finds his way. Um, and what other teams do you have an eye on here that we may not have mentioned yet for the tournament? I think Illinois is going to make it. You, you bring in Matt Meyer. You bring in Sky Clark. He's, he is coming off a knee injury, but he was a top recruit. Terrence Shannon going there from Texas Tech was enormous. And so you got all that. You lost a lot, but you um you do bring back R.J. Melendez and Coleman Hawkins and Luke Good. So, like, you got talent to go with the new arrivals, like, that stayed there. Um, Ohio State, I think, is going to be good, too, under Chris Oldman. Like, they, they bring in, you know, Tanner Holden, Sean McNeil, Isaac Lakili. Like, they're going to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, Rutgers lost a lot, but, I mean, they're good. I mean, they're, they're always going to be good. Um, Ron Harper, obviously, was a big loss. Geo Baker also. Um, but they did get um, Logan Stevens over from Georgia. Um, they got Clifford, uh, a more, a more uh, six, 96 of his 161 baskets last year were dunks. He's just going to be an impact force right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Penn state, I feel is kind of falling under the radar. They're super experienced. Um, they bring back like their top seven players from the rotation. Uh, we're talking, you know, a lot of their, their I like, I like their head coach, Bika Shrewsbury. He was, um, he was under Brad Stevens and then he coached under, uh, Matt Painter for a little while. He's a good coach. Yeah, and they, they got a freshman in that um, Demetrius Lilly, who averaged a double-double in, at uh, Lower Marion, which was Kobe Bryant's high school, three straight years. Um, so he's going to come in and impact. Andrew Funk uh, led Bucknell in scoring last year, all Patriot League as well, ended up in Penn State. So they've got a very experienced roster. They were 14 and 17 last year. Um, so it's going to take a lot for them to improve that to get to the tournament, but you never know. Like I said, no. there's always teams out of this conference that kind of come out of nowhere um what are their players to watch in the big 10 
for me, uh, RJ Melendez, I love Caleb McConnell at Rutgers. He's just like a gamer. He just plays all the time. And I think Jaden Akins is going to play a lot for Michigan State. Yeah, I like all of that. I think Chris Murray is going to end up in the NBA as well. The focus mm-hmm. will be there now that his brother's gone to Purdue. Bryce Sensabaugh at Ohio State's one of my favorite players in the country to watch. Um, and then Jalen Pickett at Penn State. Um, he is a very, very good scorer, average about 14 last year. Um, he can lead the team defensively as well um, and distribute um, pretty well for them. So if Penn State's going to be good, it's going to be because of Jalen Pickett. Um, and then who's the Big Ten newcomer of the year for you? Uh, I'll go with Isaac Lakile with um, with uh, Ohio State. Yeah, and I'm going to go with Matthew Mayer over at Illinois. Um, you know, he, like I was saying before about Baylor, 6'9 kid um, on the number four team in the country last year, averaged 10 points. Um, you know, Baylor, you know, he has that, that pedigree. He was on a championship team as well. Um, he can bring a little bit of that toughness to Illinois um, to go with your, your Shannons. And, and Sky Clark, big recruit for them as well. Um, and then they got a couple of foreign guys. They got a guy from France um, over at Illinois that was uh, t- averaged 20 points in a pro B league over there. So they did lose a lot to Kofi Cockburn. But I don't know. Sometimes you can you know lose a big and kind of open up the floor a little bit for everybody else. So we'll see what happens. Um, and then who's the Big Ten player of the year? Um, Hunter Dickinson. I got Trace Jackson Davis, but I mean, I think those are the clear one, a one B in this league. They're, they're yeah, a lot stuff. of good bigs, a lot of good bigs in this conference this year. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Mountain West, San Diego state. Are they legit? Yes. Like I think if you can play defense this year, you can make it like, and San Diego state's going to be able to play defense. Are they as good as the woman Malachi Flynn? Probably not, but I think they're going to definitely make some noise in Mountain West. Like, I'll put it this way. If they go undefeated in non-conference, they're not going to lose for a good while. Yeah, no. I mean, Wyoming can beat them, maybe Boise. But other than that, I think they run roughshod over their conference. Um, they may win a game in the tournament or two even. It's just one of those teams that might win 30-something games and then just be super confident getting in there. They can beat anybody. Um, they should be a top 25 team for the duration of the year. Um, I really don't have anything bad to say about them. Um, San Diego State's just become under Dutcher um, a team now that's always going to be pretty good. You it's know, like the whole the whole is always greater than the sum of its parts. Exactly. They just they replace quick. You know they didn't lose a ton, um, but they did bring in a Darian Tramble who came over from Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. He averaged nineteen five and four um, in four steals a game. So I mean that's the whack. Um, he, they and they're good do. at they're good at incorporating their transfers. Like a previous transfer was Matt Bradley. He came from Cal, and he now yeah. is like one of their best players. Yeah, for sure. Um, Bradley, you know, first team All Conference here for sure. Um, they also have Nathan Mensa, six ten senior. Um, this team's loaded with experience, and they should really run roughshod over this. Um, what other teams do you have an eye on here, though, at possibly making the tournament? Boise State's gonna be good. Um, like, uh, I think his name is Leon Rice. Like that, that team is always just, um, it, they're just always like a threat in the Mountain West. Um, I like Wyoming because they bring back Graham E.K. and Hunter Maldonado. That was their two best players. And then they bring in like some, uh, good transfers like, uh, you know, uh, Ethan Anderson and Jake Kyman out of UCLA. So they, they have that. And then, um, Colorado State brings back Isaiah Stevens, even though they did lose David Roddy. So um, those are the ones I'm keeping an eye on. 
Yeah, for sure. I like Boise State a lot. I mean, I, I find it tough to say that three of these teams can make the tournament, but I mean, I guess it all depends. Um, two, two, maybe. Um, maybe you might need um, San Diego State to not win the conference tournament to get two in, but it all depends on how they do out of conference. I know San Diego State plays a tough out of conference schedule. Um, they've got um, Stanford early. They're in the Maui where they play Ohio State and then either Arizona or Cincinnati. Um, mm-hmm. Then they have a road game at St. Mary's in December. So that team's going to be tested. So if you beat them once or twice, then you instantly have a pretty good um, shot of the tournament if you're on the upper tier of the conference. So that's going to be something to keep keep an eye on there. Um, another one, too, Utah State could kind of surprise if, if Taylor Funk can replace most of what Brandon Horvath gave them at the stretch four. Um, but, I mean, I think that's a long shot. What are your players to watch in the Mountain West? Um, Isaiah Stevens, like he's just a really, really good player, but he is hurt. So it depends on when he's coming back. Yeah. I got to say Graham EK in Wyoming and, and, uh, when, when the name pops off the paper, like Jamal Mashburn. So Jamal Mashburn Jr. is at New Mexico. <laughs> um, right. he should be fun to watch as well. Um, who's the, the MWC newcomer of the year for you? Uh, Jared Lucas with Nevada. He played at Oregon State, so I think he's going to get a lot of playing time under Steve Alford at Nevada. Yeah, I've got Darian Trammell at that same point. Um, just feel like he's going to come in and do a lot for San Diego State right off the bat. Um, and then who's the the player of the year in the conference? Hunter Maldonado at Wyoming. And I'm going Bradley for San Diego State, um, just for everything you said. I think that they're going to be the best team, and he's going to be the best player. Um, Pac-12, we are now staying in the West. Um, UCLA, so, so experienced Arizona found their way back to the top of the country last year. Um, what are your thoughts on these two teams and are they the clear class of the conference? I don't know if Arizona is the class of the conference. They definitely retained a few pieces like Kirk Creasa and Pelly Larson and Tubalus, like, and then they bring in Courtney Ramey from Texas. Like they're going to still be really good. Are they going to be on the level that they were last year when they had like Ben Matherin and um, Christian Coloco? I don't know about that. Like that was lightning in a bottle. Um, I would say probably UCLA is going to be the program that everybody's looking up to, but you never can count out Oregon under Dana Altman. And Andy Enfield is consistently rolling out good rosters at USC. Yeah, he's done a really good job. Um, back to the Arizona point, um, that Ramey kid um, was somebody that like stayed in the draft process for pretty much as long as they can. So the kids definitely knows what he needs to do to improve his game at this point. Um, and he probably found the perfect fit with him here in Arizona because um, they did lose a lot at guard. Um, so, I mean, obviously – when you lose Mathurin to the um, NBA and he's already looking like an early rookie of the year favorite. Um, that kid was just an, a jump out the gym excitement. Um, but, you know, Adama Ball is somebody that just scratching the surface of his talent there. Um, he played well for France this summer in the FIBA. So he might come in and, you know, give you a lot of big minutes for Arizona. UCLA, though, I mean, they've got to have a bad taste in their mouth from what happened last year after that big bounce, that big Final Four run the year prior. Um, Johnny Juzang kind of sucked last year. I don't really know how to how to sugarcoat that. Um, but, you know, he's he's gone. But Tiger Campbell, Jamie Jackez, those guys are studs. Um, and then you throw some of the other names that are there. Um, Mac Etienne had an ACL injury. Um, he had a promising 2020, 2020, 2021. He's going to come back strong this year. 
Um, and then you've got um, Russell Stong, who was a veteran walk-on. He made his first career three-pointers last year, but he's going to get more minutes this year. And then year. they got two really good freshmen, Amari Bailey and Adam Bona. Like, those were yeah. big-time recruits. Yeah, and then, you know, it, it's Mac Cronin, Mick Cronin. He's always going to have a strong team. Um, but Amari Bailey is another one that I keep an eye on for, on there. Um, this UCLA backcourt has a ton of talent, uh, but May, Bailey might come in and shoot 35 40% right off the bat. Um, and, you know, it might take a little bit of heat off of um, Tiger because he kind of feels like he needs to rest more. He's a, he's a smaller guy. So if they can keep that guy fresh for March and not run, I mean, they were, they were backed up by COVID last year too. They didn't get fans mm-hmm. till, till most, um, most way through the year. Um, so they're, they're going to be rejuvenated this year. Um, what other teams do you have an eye on in, to make the tournament in this uh, Pac-12? Um, Arizona State, Bobby Hurley's under a lot of pressure this time, but he did get a good roster together to try to make a push if they do it. They got the Cambridge brothers. Um, one of I think one of them played at Auburn. Uh, Frankie Collins from Michigan. Uh, Marcus Bagley, uh, Marvin's brother, uh, Marvin the Third's brother. He's um he's still there and he's going to be um playing another year there. Uh, the other one I think Stanford with Harrison Ingram as their top player, they might make some noise. Yeah, I like that team. Jalen Thompson, big time three point shooter for them as well. Came in as a freshman. Michael Jones, um, first transfer that they accepted in a long time from Davidson. Um, mm-hmm. He can give them scoring and play a little defense for them as well. Kind of like that, you know, point forward role. Um, so um, I think that Stanford's going to be tough to beat as well at times. Um, they just always seem to be somebody that isn't great, but they can beat you at any time. And that can bode well. I mean, um, there's some bad teams in this conference <laughs> for sure. Um, oh, yeah. but, but we'll see how it all pans out. Now, um, what players do you have an eye on? Um, I like Jermaine Kusnard at Oregon. I saw him at South Carolina, and he's going to play well. Drew Peterson is a really good player at USC. Um, I think he's going to probably be like their leading scorer. Yeah, and I mean, the, some of the other teams, guys to look Look at Will Richardson over at Oregon. Uh, he's very good. Um, similar can be said for Boogie Willis at USC. Um, and Ingram at Stanford, they need him to go to the next level if they want to compete for a postseason spot. Um, so there's a lot of heat on him, but that kid is damn good. So I yeah. think he's going to be able to hold it down. He's one of those like sleeper Pac-12 player of the year candidates if he puts it all together. Now, um, who's the Pac-12 newcomer of the year for you? Uh, Keon Brooks at Washington. He came from Kentucky. I think he's going to play a lot. Um, I don't know if Washington's going to make the tournament under Mike Hopkins, but I think Keon Brooks is going to play a lot. Yeah, and I'm going to go with Amari Bailey just because I feel like the opportunity is there for him. Um, He's their highest-rated recruit since Lonzo Ball at UCLA. So um, as long as he can shoot the three enough, I think they're going to be fine with him, and I think that team could really take off if he's what they think he's going to be. And uh, who's your Pac-12 player of the year? Uh, I'll actually I, I'll go away from what I had originally. Um, Tiger Campbell at U, uh, UCLA. Yeah, I'm going to say Tubulus at Arizona. I feel like the opportunity is going to be there for him to get as many shots as he wants. And I mean, the kid's good. He's got a got a strong body. I think he's going to be able to, uh, you know, use his size um, in that conference. And, you know, last year was 14 and six. There's no reason for me to think that that can't be more like 16, 17 and eight or so. So that'll put him right up there with the big boys in this conference for sure. Um, now, the one that's key to your heart, the SEC. <laughs> so uh, first off, is Arkansas going to push Kentucky in this conference? 
They are going to push them. Uh, the the important thing though is that they can't struggle in January and February. If they start dropping games randomly in the SEC and they get behind the eight ball with Kentucky, this is not a Kentucky team with like a bunch of diaper dandies. It's they got a lot of experience this time. Um, and they had that disappointment from losing the St. Peter's, so you know they got a chip on their shoulder with Sheway coming back. So you don't want to take them for granted. Yeah, I mean, after Sheway played last year, it's kind of scary to think that he's coming back, you know, um, like almost like, God, they have this guy. Who cares what they do around him? Um, but they have the talent around him. It's the oldest team that I think Calipari's had in a very long time. Um, they lost Ty Ty Washington. They lost Kellen Grady. They lost Keon Brooks. Uh, but then right around the corner, they added Antonio Reeves, who can score 25 a game if you need him to. Um, Kaysen Wallace. Huge, huge recruit, top, top 10 recruit, huge defender. Um, Chris Livingston, kid will jump out of the gym. Um, Udana Kingsley, um, he signed in August, but he'll be effective defensively the second he hits the court. Um, they're just deep at young, but they're they're deep in, in um, vets as well, which is so much different for them. Um, I think Antonio Reeves is going to jump right in here and make a difference on this roster and give them the leadership that Kentucky sometimes doesn't have because they always have uh, – bunch of babies on the roster right right um but arkansas you know we can't really dismiss arkansas i mean muscleman's there as long as muscleman's there they're going to be good um they did lose some talent but they brought some talent in um yeah. anthony black you know can can six seven guard good luck defending him um he was a top 20 high school player last year but he can be number one and number two point guard in, in different areas um depending on who you looked at rankings that kid's a stud. Devontae Davis is a stud. Um, he was eight and four at points last year, but they were 14 and three when he played. Um, and then Nick Smith came in for them. Uh, one of the top three highest rated players to ever sign with the Razorbacks. Um, they're, they re- restocked the cupboard pretty quick there, even though they lost a lot. I, I trust any Muscleman team to be a near close to impossible outcome tournament time. Um, what other teams? Do you have an eye on here to make the tournament? Uh, Alabama under Nate Oates is always a threat because of the three-point shooting. They might, you know, they bring in Brandon Miller and Jaden Bradley. Um, Javon Quinterly probably won't be back till later in the year because he tore his ACL in the tournament. Um, but if they get like improved play out of like Charles Bediaco and Noah Gurley and Amari Burnett, like I think they're going to be a, a pretty good team. They they're very different from a lot of the other teams that play Auburn. I would be stunned if they didn't make the tournament. That's a really talented team as well. And they got um, a lot of, they got a couple of good um, players in the recruiting trail, but then they get Johnny. I thought getting Johnny broom from Moorhead state as a big man was huge. Like, I think he's going to play a lot and Tennessee is going to be good under Rick Barnes. Yeah. Another team to keep an eye on is uh, Florida. Um, They, they lost a good amount, but they brought in Kyle Lofton who was a damn good player um, yep. in the A-10. They got so Alex Fudge from LSU. I saw him, and he's a good player. And Todd Golden came there from uh, San Francisco because Michael White left for Georgia. Yeah, and uh, they got Will Richard from Belmont, who was part of the Golden Transfer Hall. Um, Colin Castleton, um, he had off-season shoulder surgery, so he might start slow, but, I mean, he was like 16 and nine last year or something crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so this team, you know, they might, they might struggle early, but I think they're going to be really good as the year wears on. Um, we play UConn plays them in early December. So I kind of have, have kept an eye on them <laughs> for sure. Um, 
and we're going down there. That's always scary. Um, now, talk to me about LSU. I know it's a it's a time of change, but but give me your thoughts. Well, they got a lot of notoriety because there was that one there was one point in the month of April I want to say where they literally had no player no scholarship players on the roster, uh, which I don't think they were the only ones at the end of the day. Uh, but they, that's just the way it was. Like they're they'll be they'll be decent. I don't think they're going to be a tournament team. It really depends on KJ Williams and Justice Hill because they're going to carry a lot of load. Bringing in Adam Miller, who tore his ACL and didn't play at all last year, he was at Illinois originally. Like that was, he's going to be important. Like, um, I, I, I mean, I'm going to miss like Eric Gaines, who's at UAB. Xavier Pinson's gone. Efton Reed is gone. Like they're they're missing a lot of dudes. And Tari Eason went to the draft, but I, I don't think they're going to be in a tournament team. I think they're going to be competitive, but I don't think they'll be a tournament team. Yeah, it'll take a couple years for him, but you know. I feel like he did pretty good with the with the freshman class, um, and he got a couple transfers, so at least keep you exciting, right? He's not gonna, they're right. not gonna be, you're not gonna be embarrassed to root for him. Let's put it that way. No, there was a lot of cha- coaching changes in the SEC. Mississippi State got a new coach. Missouri got a new coach. Um, South Carolina got rid of uh, Frank Martin. They brought in Lamont Paris. The one thing that South Carolina pulled off is that they got Gigi Jackson to reclassify and go there, which was really big for them. Yeah, um, another team that we haven't talked about yet, Texas A&M. They did get um, Dexter Dennis from Wichita State, who is like an all-world defender. Um, and they have Wade Taylor, um, who, you know, has just improved. Um, you know, last year he improved as year went on. He was able to get to like nine points a game. We'll see where they go with there. But Dexter Dennis right away is going to make a difference to this team defensively, and they needed that. Um, they were experienced. Um, but they're, they, they did lose like the R to us, Marcus Williams, uh, Quentin Jackson. They did lose players that were on the court late in games. Um, but we'll see how they all push it together. Um, Buzz Williams has his years, right? Some years he's got, it pulls the team out of nowhere and, and goes far with them. Um, sometimes he just underachieves. That's just kind of a Buzz Williams thing. So we'll see what happens with them, but I don't want to completely rule them out. Um, nor do I want to ever rule out Jerry Stackhouse and Vanderbilt, um, but he hasn't really shown us anything. He yet. just got they, an extension. They, yeah, so we'll see what goes with them. Um, now, uh, what players do you want to watch and keep an eye out for in the SEC? I mentioned Gigi Jackson. He'll, he's going to get a lot of looks. Isaiah Mosley, uh, who I think he played at Missouri State, and he was a really good player there. He's going to be at Missouri um, under with Dennis Gates, the new head coach. I mentioned Adam Miller at LSU. Severe Wheeler is is going to be like the pivotal point guard at Kentucky. If Severe Wheeler is healthy, they're going to be in good shape. Yeah, um, a couple guys under the radar because they're not on great teams is Matt Mural at uh, Ole Miss. Um, mm-hmm. Kid's a really good shooter. He's going to be one of the best shooters in the league again. Um, Kyle Lofton at Florida. I already talked about him. Mark Sears at Alabama. Um, Lofton at St. Bonaventure was, was a really good player. Um, he's going to come in and, and they're going to love him at Florida right away. Um, and you know, I think what Sears will be able to bring Alabama right off the bat is going to be solid for them. Um, yeah. now I think this one's easy, but what's the SEC player of the year? Um, she I'd be stunned. Yeah. It can't be anybody but him, right? I mean, yeah. how do you tell? How do you go from winning the wood in one year to not even be your conference's best player the next? I just don't see it happening. Um, all right, cool. So the last conference we have to go through here is uh, should be a quick one. Uh, West Coast Conference. Uh, now Gonzaga's clearly the class here. What do you think about this Gonzaga roster? Um, they're not as good as the previous two years, but they're not that far off. 
like they're still going to be a threat. You bring, you know, you still got Julian Strother and Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas. I know they they're going into sophomore campaigns after, or well, Strother's a junior, but um, the other two, Hickman and Salas, their freshman years were just eh, but I think they're going to be good. Efton Reed, who we mentioned from LSU, he's there. Anton Watson is coming back. Rasier Bolton coming back was a surprise. I think a lot of people thought that was his last year, but he used his COVID year and decided to come back. And then Drew Timmy. Um, uh, and then there's one big one that you can kind of bring up at Malachi Smith, uh, just a really loaded team. Like they always have under Mike view. Is it good enough to win it all? I mean, that's the big question. Um, I mean, they're going to be good enough to dominate the WCC. Yeah. I mean, you just got to feel like one of these years, few is going to win one, right? Um, it just seems like it has to happen. Right. Um, I mean, losing them heart was big. Um, I mean, obviously losing Chet was big, but, also, I think they're going to be more versatile this year. Um, they, they played the double big lineup a lot last year. Um, felt like Holmgren was always in foul trouble in big games, too. Um, but, boy, did he impact them defensively, man. No, he, so can't much play more against pick and, he cannot play against pick and roll. Yeah. So um, who knows? I mean, if you know Malachi Smith's going to come in right away, I mean, I don't know if that he averages 20 at Gonzaga like he did at Chattanooga, but – I mean, God, that, that kid's a stud. Um, and I think Strother is going to jump to that next level. Um, he won't have to defer to the bigs as much as he did last year. He's going to just be able to do his thing. Um, and, and you're right, Bolton was somebody that I definitely think is just going to keep getting better as well. And he's that senior leadership. They're, they're a senior-laden team. Um, they lost a lot, but it's still Mark Few. It's still Gonzaga. It's still a tough place to go play. It's still a team that will be battle-tested in conference play, and they should run – rough shot over it per usual it's all in being prepared for the tournament making sure they're healthy making sure they're not thinking too big of themselves um which they never really do under few but sometimes it just gets zapped by the wrong teams um now what do we think about st mary's and byu do they have a shot at the tournament here even if they don't win the conference um i don't think they can win the i don't think they're gonna win the conference but i think they will make the tournament meaning both of them like i think i think byu is just in a system we talked about how people use that extra year to have like older rosters like byu's always done that and that's why i think they're always good in college basketball because they have the lds mission mission guys so you get these guys that for those who don't know you take a latter-day saints um like a sabbatical for like one to two years and then you come back and you're like in your early 20s and you're a grown man and they come in and they play their last year or two and and they fit right in because they were coached before their LDS mission. And, you know, there's a couple of them like that under Mark Pope. But Rudy Williams is back. Gideon George is there. Spencer Johnson's there. St. Mary's under Randy Bennett. They're just always good. It doesn't even matter who they have. They're just really good. Yeah, and I feel like San Francisco, I mean, if if the new coach is Gerlifson, I think that's his name. Yeah. Um, if he, if he can put he was able to bring some transfers in. Um, Khalil Shabazz is is a stud. Um, that was the big and, one. Getting him back was huge. Yep, and then they got a kid from UCSD named Tony Rokak who averaged 15 a game. Um, you know he's really good on the block. Um, they got a Georgia Tech transfer. He he should see a step up. Um, that's uh, Saba Gigaberia, I think his name yeah, is. Yeah, getting Marcus Williams from Texas A&M. Yeah. Yep, and then they got Terrell Roberts from Washington State. So they were able to pull some big conference guys over. Um, so if he can put that together, too, they might push some of those other teams. I don't think there's a lane that four teams get in here. Um, but this conference isn't a bad one. I mean, we're talking about it. Um, and when I'm talking about the top 11 conferences or whatever. So I definitely think that 
this is what a fun one to watch. This is one of my favorites when, you know, you're laying in bed, you throw the TV on, you see that a game just tipped off. You stay up a little later than you maybe wanted to. Um, yeah. But there's always fun games with these. Now, um, who's the WCC newcomer of the year? Um, Malachi Smith. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to say Aiden Mahaney for St. Mary's. Um, just, But, I mean, Malachi Smith's definitely going to have the biggest impact, I think. Um, and then another easy one, WCC player of the year. Drew Timmy. Yeah, yeah, again, you can't argue that. I think, he uh, so. won, I think he won the Kareem Award. Like, I, it's just hard to go against him. Yeah, no, and he's so fun to watch. I mean, he's he's been the poster child of the college basketball for a couple of years now. I don't see that ending anytime soon. Um, now, best mid-major teams. Um, who do you like as mid-majors to maybe scare the crap out of some teams once they get to March? Okay, so Murray State lost a lot, obviously, because they got pushed by LSU when Matt McMahon left, but Steve Prom's going back. So I think they're going to actually be in good shape. Um, Conference USA's got a couple. Like North Texas, um, that you know, they, 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 they're bringing back Grant McCaslin. He didn't. Um, he didn't wind up leaving. So they're going to be a really good defensive team. Um, Tyler Perry's back. UAB brought in um, Eric Gaines, and they're bringing back Jer- uh, Jelly Walker, their top guard. They went to the tournament last year. That team's going to be a threat. Um, I mean, so if there were some other teams that I could just randomly mention that were uh, that are on the lower level, that might be good. Like you, you could talk about teams like uh, like UC Irvine might be uh, a threat. And, um, like, uh, maybe, uh, it's hard to say. I'm trying to figure out maybe like a small major team, like maybe Iona again under Kuz, under, uh, Patino, like things like that. Yeah. Iona should be strong. Uh, Other teams would look at Drake. Um, they look like they're going to be loaded. They have four returning double digit scores. They were good last year. Um, Liberty with Darius McGee and Kyle road. Um, Iona's got Nelly Jr. Joseph and Patino. Um, and you can't forget Colgate with Tucker Richardson and Keegan records. Um, they're going to be very good, but the one that I've got my eye on and what I think might be Jared Grasso's last year at Bryant, um, Mm -hmm. they were able to pull over Earl Timberlake, um, who never really was able to get to what people thought he was going to be, um, at Miami and Memphis, but he wasn't terrible. Um, he could definitely be a beast in this conference if everything gets put together well. Um, and Charles Pride is somebody that's going to just be a complete stud for this team. Um, averaged 17 a game last year, which was tough when you had Peter Kiss, who was averaging 25 a game. This is a situation where this team might be great just on the fact that they don't have to defer to a guy like Kiss. I mean, obviously, Kiss has been that everything. I think he led the country so in scoring. Yeah. Yeah, but now you're able to get – I mean, they got Doug Eddard, who everybody loves from St. Peter's as well. Um, so I, I think that this is going to be a deep team. I mean, they might, they're they not going to be that challenged. I mean, Vermont sometimes is, is able to push you. But, you know, this is a Bryant team that if they can escape that uh, that first, you know, first four game or whatever they call it, the play-in game, maybe they can get in as a 16 or a 15 and scare the crap out of somebody just because I think Grasso is that good. If, if that guy's not – in an, a better job at some point, you know, the next year or two, I'd really be shocked. Um, what he's done at Brian in just four years is, is pretty nuts. Um, somebody to just keep an eye on the future coaching carousel. Um, who's your overall, obviously this spans a large area. Who's your mid major newcomer of the year? Uh, Xavier Pinson. Uh, he's going from LSU to New Mexico state. He was at times LSU's most important player. So I, I could see him being a huge, like uh, impact player at New Mexico state. 
and I can't remember the conference they're in. I know they I don't even know if the WAC still exists anymore. They had so few members. But um but if they are, they're probably gonna win that conference again, even though Chris Jans left. Um, I should know um because they beat UConn last year. I know they're going to Conference USA at some point. Right. I don't think they're there yet. So they're kind of in that in between, but they're gonna be a threat. Like New Mexico State's another one. That's where Pascal Siakam went. Like that's a yeah that does well in the transfers yeah um names here coat keat um who picked ucsb over ucla um he's gonna come in and be a superstar there um antonio day went from fordham to coastal carolina he was a very good player at fordham so coastal carolina if he brings what he brought to fordham he's gonna they're gonna be damn good now overall who's your mid-major player of the year uh, I'll actually go with Antoine Davis for Detroit because if he because he's gonna he gets that extra year and he's gonna use it, he might actually get close to Pete Maravich's all time scoring record. Yeah, um, he I think that's why he was kind of figuring out if he should go to another school or if he should just break the record because obviously if he went right. to a major school he probably wasn't gonna be able to. Um, but yeah, he's definitely somebody I'm going to seek out if I uh, can watch them on like ESPN plus or something. Um, I'm going to go with Max Abmas, um, or Abmas, however you pronounce it, or Oral Roberts. Uh, it's Abmas. There you go. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, Oral Roberts. I mean, looking at this guy's stats, they jump off the page. Um, 25 a game two years ago, 23 a game last year. Um, he'll chip in four assists, four rebounds, shoot, shoot you 85% from three, shoot you 40%, I'm sorry, 40% from three, 85% from the line. Um, the guy's just a stud. Um, and, you know, he's somebody that, you know, could lead NCAA in scoring if all breaks right. Um, For those who don't remember, this, this is the one who played the one, the two-man game with Kevin O'Banner in the tournament. They almost got to the Elite Eight. Yeah. Yeah. So that kid is a stud. Um, we'll see how everything works. I mean, he was a former Lou Henson Award winner, um, AP Honorable Mention All-American 2021-2022, Summit League Player of the Year. Um, kid kid has the goods, and he might even be playing the NBA one day. From He got a couple sniffs this past year. Um, maybe undersized, but he's somebody that can just score, and there's not a lot of people that can just score anymore. So right. we'll see how he's his future holds. Now, over to our top 25s. Now, interestingly enough, we had the exact same top four in the exact same order. North mm-hmm. Carolina one, Houston two, Gonzaga three, Creighton four. Then we got a little bit different, but nine of our top ten stayed the same in order. Um, you had Baylor at five, Kansas at six, Kentucky at seven, Duke at eight, Arkansas at nine, Nova at ten. Um, I went Kentucky five, Kansas six, Duke seven, Arkansas eight, Baylor nine, Indiana ten. Um, Indiana is a little bit of a discrepancy. You had them at 14. I am at 10. That's not major. Um, the big differences that we had, um, you were a lot higher on Texas than me. You had them at 10. I have them at 22. Um, and I think it's just because it was tough for me to put a team that was maybe third or fourth in the conference and all shakes out higher. Well, Texas was so inconsistent last year, but I think that under beer, they're really going to take a big bounce in year two. That's that. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm taking a leap of faith. Yep, and then another one. I was I'm I'm high in Michigan at twelve, and you don't even have Michigan ranked. No, I I think their regular season is going to be a bit of a slog, and then they'll get to the postseason and they'll be fine. Like they yeah, always. I can see it. I can see it for sure. Um, you have TCU nineteen. I don't have them. I have TCU at nineteen. You don't have them in. You have San Diego State at seventeen. I don't have them in. Mm-hmm. I do think San Diego State gets there. I just didn't put them in a preseason. Right, right. That makes sense. They ha- they're always kind of counted out anyway, so they might not yep. be in the top twenty-five. 
Yeah, and then um, teams that are missing from mine that are in yours. Um, I don't have Auburn, Ohio State, and Illinois in. Um, again, I don't think that they're going to be bad. I just I think they'll find their way in there. Um, I just kind of need to see a lot of the pieces in place first. Ohio State, I might have made an omission with for sure. Um, but I wanted to get Dayton in. I like Dayton a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. um, And then you don't have Miami or Texas A&M, and I've got both of them in the top 25. Yeah, Miami, I can see it. Texas A&M, I don't see it at all. Like, I think they're just going to struggle too much with scoring. Yep, and then we got to talk about Big East. You've got Seton Hall at 25. Um, yeah, I, get, I put them in the last spot. Yeah, that was my yeah. Yeah, I get I get UConn 23, Xavier 25. Um, I just think our potential is there. Um, I mean, maybe the Jackson injury shouldn't should have had me knock him out there. But I think UConn's in a situation where but they had so much they had they had so much depth last year that they I don't think Danny Hurley knew what to do with the rotation. Now that certain toys are taken out of the toy box, now they're really going to tighten it up to like three or four guys. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. I mean, it's all in how the transfers do. Um, and Xavier, I have a 25. I just think Miller's going to come right in and kind of put the pieces that he already has there Sean together. Sean Miller is a fantastic coach. He always yeah. was. He just got yeah. caught up in a real mess with DeAndre Ayton. That's what happened. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think that that's going to be a quick – I mean, they weren't bad last year. They went in – they had the deep NIT run, but they just struggled so much in, in uh, February. Man, it was brutal. Yep. Uh, but I like I like having a little Big East love you had there with Seton Hall. I respect that. Um, that's a that's a Holloway pick, I think, and and he deserves it for after what he did well, last the, year. Well, the offense that he ran for St. Peter's, if you really watch it, was very good stuff. Like it was not like it wasn't like they just like miraculously made a bunch of threes like Shaka Smart's T- VCU team did like a decade ago. St. Peter's did a lot of really good stuff. That's how they got that as far as they did. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, they're they're going to be good. Uh, they're a little injury thin now, but Big East is. They, they might be times they've got four in. There might be times they only have two in. Um, yeah. we'll see. Um, I think Nova and uh, Creighton will be there all year, but the back twenty five to twenty one range. If, might, if they're missing any teams in the top ten at any point this year, I'd be shocked. I'll yeah, be for sure, way. for sure. Um, Villanova, you know, rocky start, but we'll see. All right, now last thing. Who are the four teams that you're sending to Houston for the final four? Um, I thought about the end game. I just think like, like what team could probably like truck their way through the tournament, get a little lucky, play good defense. And the four I came up with North Carolina um, got there before revenge factor Creighton, a lot of talent there. Perfect timing for McDermott to try to pull it off San Diego state with their defense and Texas with Chris Beard. Yeah, I mean, I match it with North Carolina, and shockingly, that's it. Um, I think North Carolina is just deeper than last year, and Nance will give you a lot of what Manic did. Um, I have Kentucky there. I just feel like the senior leadership will get the most out of those freshmen. And even though, you know, you don't need the freshmen to carry the load early, they can grow organically, and that should help this team come March. Um, and, you know, Cal always does well off of an embarrassing exit. So um, he should be able to put this team, will this team to at least uh, Sweet 16. And then once Kentucky's there, God, the sky's the limit. Um, and then Villanova. Um, and this is a pick for me based off what they will be when they're 100 um, percent. Whitmore thumb injury. He might not be everything that he's expected to be until conference play. 
Daniels with the broken nose. I mean, he should shouldn't miss a lot of time, but he's not. He's missing a lot of practice. And once more comes back, this team's going to take off. I think by February, this is a team you're not going to want to see on the other side of the court. And that goes for anybody in the in the country, not just any other Big East team. Um, and then lastly, I'm going back to Gonzaga. I just think their in and out game should be able to match up against any team they play. Um, they, if you need the, the biggest to score, they'll do it. You need their guards to score, they'll do it. Um, last year, they kind of ran through the bigs too much at times. They should be a lot more balanced. Um, so foul trouble. Foul troubles will yeah. got them. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So um, that's just, like I said, I just think few. I mean, I look at coaching there. The Obviously, Villanova is the one that's kind of, you know, we'll see what happens, but it's Nova. You know, I yeah, think they'll I'm, find I'm curious to see because they always have one of the slowest paces, like in the 350s. I really wonder if they're going to try to speed it up a little bit. I'm under Neptune. Yeah. We'll see. They might not right away, but I until Whitmore is back, but um, who knows? I, I just hope that the thumb surgery doesn't mess up a shot at all because that kid's a do-it-all type of guy. Um, and I know he's looking at the future more so than the now probably when it comes to this heel process. So, But, you know, by late in the year, I think they're going to be tough. Um, and that's not to disrespect Creighton um, at all. Um, I like the pieces they have there. I just struggle with a guy like like Shearman um, in the tournament when, you know, it becomes kind of a grind. He likes to run. Um, and also, and, is their defense tough enough once they get to the tournament? That's the other Yeah, Kalkbrenner, got to keep him healthy, too. He had a scare last year late. Um, he's a big boy, man. He takes a lot yeah. of – and uh, as we talked about what the Big East is going to bring as far as size, he's going to get beat up. Uh, the goal is going to be to beat him up and try to get him in foul trouble with uh, Sonogo and, and uh, Dixon and the bigs in the, in the league. So, all right. So, just about at two hours. I think we gave them enough. What do you think? <laughs> I think so, yes. <laughs> I'm ready to watch the. I'm ready to watch Champions Classic, see some Thanksgiving games, get ready. Yeah, you know, UConn plays Oregon Thanksgiving night, so I'm excited okay. for that because I think be it's. Fun. A, I think it's kind of a shitty NFL game. I don't remember what it is. So, um, but you know, we will talk throughout the year, I'm sure, and uh, we'll come back and preview the tournament. We I had a lot of fun doing that last year, and that's when we can really uh, put our nerd brains on. So, uh, right. <laughs> so. Um, good to have you here. So, uh, talk to me about this AEW podcast a little bit. Uh, you know what that means? An AEW podcast with Jordan Duncan just recorded. It'll be dropping. Um, de- I'm depending on when this one drops. Uh, it's dropping on, um, Friday, the 28th. Uh, it's going to, you know, we just talk all things, all elite wrestling, you know, every two weeks and just talk about everything that's going on. It's our own little bubble of, uh, like our AEW bubble of the place to be nation. We just exclusively discuss that along with some kind of funny sidetracks and give our own twist to things. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of a me being the WWE guy on uh, clotheslines and headlines with Ryan Gray and Rocco. Um, yep. We are kind of both hitting hot seasons right now. You know, you've got full gear coming up for AEW. We've got a Saudi show and Survivor Series War Games right around the corner. And then we'll both be in lulls until January, February, as far as, like, pay-per-views go. Yeah, and, so, then, um, and then once we get to, like, we got Revolution, then WrestleMania, and the freaking tournament shows up right after. It's like yeah. it all happens at so, once. We'll be back talking tournament as, as quicker than you think, man. Quicker right. than you think. Um, so, yeah, check out those shows. We alternate on Fridays, WWE one week. Um, this is an AEW week if you're listening the week of the 28th. Um, I think this might come out the week after, but that'll be a WWE week. We do alternate. Um, both shows are awesome. Both do a lot for this this area, and we, we yep. have a lot of fun doing it. So um, thank you for coming on with us here today. And um, 
I hope everybody enjoys the college basketball season. Hit us up um, if you have any thoughts that might differ from ours, and we'll talk about it, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk to you about it as well. How about that? So have a good one, guys, and um, you know, go UConn. Later, guys.